Hi, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon comic book conversation. John Suntris here, and man, we got a doozy of a guest for you today. Will Dennis, the Vertigo editor, joins us for a great conversation about his years as a Vertigo editor. Uh, we run through his entire work history, uh, coming on uh, 100 Bullets with Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso, and uh, all the way up through The Kitchen, his uh, last uh, Vertigo project with uh, Ali Masters and Ming Doyle. We also talk about what Will is doing now, some projects that are coming up in the future. In fact, at Emerald City Comic Con, they announced his involvement in the Image series Moonshiners, featuring, uh, again, Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. No surprise there that uh, the three guys are working together again. Sounds like a great story. But we also talk a lot about Vertigo itself and what made it the imprint that it was. And, uh, you know, its place in the, in the comic book world currently, and also, of course, uh, as a, as a formative uh, imprint in the 90s to uh, its dominance for, for a long time as really kind of the showplace for great creator-owned comic books. Where does Vertigo fit in today's world? Uh, Will discusses his point of view, and again, it's just a very interesting conversation as we try to give you each week here on Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Very cool deals happening now at InStock Trades, like the Absolute Trans Metropolitan Hardcover Volume 2 is 50% off. It's just $62.50. You can get the deluxe hardcover of uh, Sweet Tooth, 50% off, $14.99. There's a couple of Vertigo books for you right off the bat. Uh, Black Panther, the complete collection by Priest. Volume 3, 45% off, $19.24. Ms. Marvel, hardcover, Volume 2, G. Willow Wilson. But a few others are in there as well. 45% off, $19.24. A classic DC story, Superman, Emperor Joker. Uh, Interesting timing with the Batman Superman movie. Uh, But uh, Jeff Loeb, Ed McGinnis, Joe Kelly, Doug Monkey. uh, 45% off, $10.00. And 99 cents. The Suicide Squad, trade paperback volume three, Rogues, featuring John Ostrander and uh, Luke McDonald, 45% off, just $10.99. Just a few of the great deals happening now at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. You'll find great prices on great books. InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thanks a lot, League, for your support. Uh, it does help out. Uh, Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you can help the cause and uh, spare a buck or two in a subscription, that would be great. Certainly would appreciate it. Go to wordballoon.com. Click on the Patreon ad there. It will take you to my Patreon page where there's videos explaining uh, why I need the money. And, uh, you know, thanks again for your support. I really appreciate it. The best way you can support Word Balloon, as I always say, is let a friend know that you like the show and you think they might like the show, too. And today's episode is a perfect example of that. This was just a great conversation with Will Dennis. I look forward to more in the future. It was a great opportunity after he chose not to go to Burbank and continue with D.C. Uh, He had been with the company for 16 years, gathered his thoughts and said, yeah, okay, now I'm ready to talk, John. So finally, we get to sit down with Will Dennis and get his point of view. Here it is now. On Word Balloon. Finally, I can't tell you how long I've been trying to set this up. And and I've always gotten this appreciative, yeah, eventually. So now it's eventually. Will Dennis finally comes on Word Balloon. I thank you, man, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. No, I'm sorry that I've been hard to get a hold of. but <laughs> it's taken- Well, no, and to be honest, the majority of that was just, you know, I know DC wouldn't let editors talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely 
there was a period where that was for sure. And then there's another period of just like, well, do I have anything to say at this point? Or, you know, <laughs> you, right, you definitely right. go through a period of, I don't know what, you know, reintegrating into regular society or something, you know, so. Well, yeah, maybe you did need that time to kind of post leaving DC and Vertigo to kind of, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like, you know, you, you're able to talk now? And, and, and yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not looking – I'll tell you right off the bat. I'm not looking for dirt, and I don't think there is much dirt because, honestly, as I understood it, really most of the projects you were with I thought were great projects. You found great people. You put great people together, and uh, you know you were overseeing a lot yeah. of really terrific books. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean I felt like that was always my you know, my thing. I mean I, I, I didn't ever – I never really had the huge breakout commercial hit you know but i felt like it was like you strung together a bunch of really quality projects that all sort of found their own audiences and you know certainly those people have gone on to you know the jason aarons of the world and things have gone on to much bigger and better things you know but yeah there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't a lot of dirt it was really more kind of work a day like you know just grinding it out over 15 plus years Man, yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So yeah, when I, when I first became aware of you, well, you tell me, how did you get involved with, was DC your first comics job? Yeah. Well, I'd say counting, you know, not counting working at a comic book shop, but, um, okay. But, but like, yeah, yeah. what led you to editing in DC? Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, those weird combinations of, you know, who, you know, and being in the right place at the right time and also just having a certain level of experience. But I had worked, well, I'd worked at a comic book shop in college and then, I had gone to school. I went to Ithaca College and gone to school with um, Shelly. Well, then she was Shelly Roberg, but now she's Shelly Bond, who's like the editor, mm-hmm. still the editor, you know, Vertigo. Oh, yeah. So uh, I had introduced her to comics in when I was working at a shop and we were both in communication school, like television, radio and stuff. And Sure. I went there. Yeah. Absolutely. And we had an, we had an 8, 8 a.m. screenwriting class, which I didn't show up for all that regularly. But she was always, <laughs> if you know Shelly at all, you know, she was like, you know always there, you know, doing her thing. So, I mean, nobody works harder than Shelly does. So, um, yeah, so we were, we met in this class and then we had some weird assignment about, Oh, you've got to convert some form of media from one to another. And I was always looking for like the, you know, shortest cut I could find. So it was like, well, you know, these comics are already, you know, I don't want to convert some novel to like a screenwriting format. I was like, these comics are already like that. So why don't we just like do that? So then she came down to the shop I was at and then, sort of got involved with comics that way. And then she just fell in love with it. And then, you know, she graduated, I think, a year ahead of me. And then we kept in touch. And she was working at Kamiko when they first, when they were sure. still, it was like Shrek. And, and uh, they were down in Philadelphia. And um, Was Azzarello part of Kamiko back then, um, too? I think he came right at the very end. Like, Diana and, and Bob were, like, Diana working. Shucks? Yeah, were working out of, like, a house in, outside of Philadelphia or in Philly mm-hmm. someplace. And then... Um, then I think they moved it out to the West coast and then as got involved at it some point, like right towards the end somehow, I don't know what the overlap was with Shelly, but then Shelly got hired by Karen Berger to be cool. her assistant right when they were launching Vertigo. Um, and then we had sort of lost touch for like almost, I don't know, got almost 10 years at that point. And then it was a, one of those weird things. Like I was home visiting my dad and there was this call comes in to my dad, like, and he's like, yeah, huh? You know, like, yeah, he's right here. And he hands me the phone and it's Shelly on the phone. She's like, this is the only number I had. You know, this is before the internet. This is before, you know, this is like sure. late nineties, you know, so there's no way to, okay. you know, so you have the one number. And so she calls to say that like, 
you know, she's, there's some openings at DC and would I be interested? And, and, and I, you know, I was already, I was doing film publicity and kind of movie um, stuff in the late nineties or mid nineties in New York, which then was like, everybody had a film, right? Everybody wanted to like get rich doing indie films and stuff. I was going to say indie films. Yeah. So we were doing, we were like a boutique thing and we were taking stuff, you know, to Sundance and different film festivals and, you know, but so yeah, she called and, and, it was basically like, well, you know, I can, but it's going to be a massive kind of pay cut and everything else. But it also felt like, wow, this would really be, you know, after a lifetime of reading comics and watching movies and collecting records and every other thing under the sun. You know, I was like, well, this is this might actually be a career because up to then I had just sort of, you know, been kind of cobbling somewhat ancillary things together to like whatever my interests were. But, you know, I don't know, doing film stuff like that was not like much yeah it was fun for like five minutes and then it got really kind of you know that that, <laughs> that world isn't you know I, I don't know you really have to be of that world and like buy into it and i just was kind of like i, I don't know like it's there's a lot of unpleasantness and there was a lot of just kind of <laughs> you know people yelling and screaming at you because they didn't get their you know whatever their 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 video didn't get arrive on time and you know i was just like really you know so um, which, you know, comics is nothing like that, which is great. You know, I was shocked the first time I walked in there and they were like, no, there's no, you know, people don't yell and scream at you and there's none of that kind of stuff. You don't have the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, like, you know, getting you fired every day of the week and rehiring you the next day. But yeah, so she sure. hired me as like her assistant. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. You know, I did that for like a year and a half and then they threw bunch of weird circumstances of axel alonzo left so i was with axel for about a year there while he was there you know for almost a year and then he left to go to marvel when they were trying to reboot all that and um uh, i don't know and then karen just like kind of pushed me up the ladder with shelly's help and it was i don't know i made it from like being an assistant editor to like a full editor in like i don't know 18 months or something like that which which i think might still be the record (laughs) That's it was great. definitely the record at the time, and you know, which is a kind of a mixed bag because some people are like, "Hey, awesome," and other people are like, "There were definitely people over the years that were like, you know, exactly. a certain amount of resentment, which I, I totally get because for a long time, it, you know, unless somebody really retired or passed away, you know, like there was no, you didn't really move up because people kept those jobs forever, right? You know, I hear you, man. Yeah, so so yeah, that was just just those weird kind of things. Like, what was I doing that weekend when she called? And you know, like there she was. And so yeah, so she so she hooked me up with that, and then I just kind of took it from there. And you know, and it was mostly all through Azarello, Brian Azarello, and getting really? getting to know him. I mean, not not getting the job, but that's what like led to all the all the, the leapfrogging. Yeah, and because what happened moving like the fast track or whatever. Yeah, because what happened was it, it's just these weird sort of things. Like I think I have a reputation over the years for being like fairly social and you know hanging out late and drinking late and you know all these sorts of things, which Brian would naturally sort of gravitate to, although he doesn't always naturally gravitate to anybody. But <laughs> <laughs> I know that I have experience absolutely. Man. Like two weeks after I started there, Brian and Jill Thompson, his wife, were coming to town, and Axel and Shelley were supposed to take them out, like downtown someplace, you know, for dinner and drinks and the whole thing. And if you know Axel or Shelley at all, like they do a lot of amazing stuff, and they're certainly like social about certain things, but that's not really their 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 Ballywick or whatever you know what I mean like the, that sort of like hey let's go to a divey bar and stay there till four in the morning you know which is right in my like wheelhouse so they come to me like and they're like hey you know we're gonna go to Chinatown someplace downtown do you know any place 
that would be good to take, you know, this Brian Azzarello. And I don't know him from a hole in the wall. And I was like, yeah, sure. There's a few divey joints downtown that I've spent, you know, thousands of hours like sitting in, you know. <laughs> sure. And so, yeah. So, and I literally had only been there like two weeks. And so we went and we. You'd only been to New York for two weeks? No, I'd only been in, I'd lived in New York since like the early 90s, but I'd only oh, been yeah. in DC. Oh, yeah. You've been in like DC two for two weeks. weeks. Yeah. Was, okay. Oh, I'm with you so now. So this okay. would have been like November of. 1999 ish somewhere around okay. there uh, right. maybe december you know but uh yeah so we went out went like kind of slept around town and then and went to these you know some bars and just sort of were shooting the shit and we were talking about about like wrestling like we were you know that was the kind of the, the attitude that, era of wrestling you know and that was in i don't know shelly and axel not 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 their real cup of tea either you know so um, but Jill, Jill and uh, Brian, yeah, big time. right, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I never met anybody that was you know so hardcore about it, you know. But so still stay, absolutely. Yeah, right. So yeah, so we spent a kind of a funny night like doing that, and I peeled off at some point, and they kept going. But then, so I was around helping Shelly on all these books, like you know, like sort of Sandman related books, like The Dreaming, and she was launching all these different titles. And then Axel left, and then there was an interim, I think, like. Um, Jenny Lee, who's also then like an editor and done about it, like she was at Marvel and done a lot of stuff. And um, there was, you know, some people in between and they were trying to find somebody to kind of take it over full time. And Axel had left. And then uh, Brian, I think, was basically like, you know, hey, well, who's that guy that we went out with that night like a year ago that, you know, seemed to kind of have a sensibility that was sort of somewhere, you know, close to the 100 bullet sensibility? Sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. And so Karen was like, well, I get, you know, if you want him to try to, you know, work on the book, like, I guess that's okay. Wow. <laughs> you know? okay. So, yeah, and I remember calling Brian and being like, look, I know I'm sort of like the last fork in the drawer over here, but, you know, <laughs> I think we can kind of make this, hopefully we can make this work. Or, you know, by then it was like around issue 18 or 19, you know, and it was like the book was already so strong that I was just like, yeah. You know, the worst thing I could have done was parachute in there and start to meddle with it, you know, in terms of here's what I think you ought to do. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which happens a lot. You know, I mean, it happens a lot. Obviously, people do do that. But um, that wasn't going to be my thing. So, um, yeah. So then, I, you know, I took so I took that over in like November of like 2000 or so, I think it was. Um, And I remember I even said we used to do everything by fax with Eduardo Risa then because he lived in Argentina. And it was like there was yes. a little email, but mostly fax. Like he would fax in the pages and then, you know, we'd fax him notes back and he'd get them translated and stuff. And yeah, I remember he still had, I visited him four or five years ago down in Argentina and he had like the, the fax I'd sent him, like this sad handwritten fax that said like, dear Mr. Riso, like you don't know me, but my name is Will Dennis and I just got made the editor of your book and I promise I'll, you know do my best not to screw it up. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the most pathetically written, you know, I think it was like a smiley face over the eye or something at the end. Like, I mean, and, uh, so he still had it. He pulled it out and they were like having a great laugh at my expense. It, like, you know, yeah. And so that was it, you know, so then it's like, you didn't screw that up. And then I think Brian was on Hellblazer at that point. So then I at some point moved over to Hellblazer with him. And uh, okay. after, you know, that was after like the Corbin issues when he was doing stuff still on Hellblazer. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was just kind of it. Like after that, we were sort of off to the races, you know. And, and then Hunter Bowles became such a calling card for everyone else because it was such a high quality book that, yes. 
it was, you know, it opened so many doors. I mean, like it just, you couldn't, I remember doing like that issue that we had like Jim Lee and Lee Romeo and Frank Miller and all these guys do pinups in, you know? And it was like, Mm -hmm. I was scared out of my mind, like literally to call any of those guys or whatever, email them or fax them. And, um, but they all like knew the book and all had such regard for Brian's writing and Eduardo's art that it was just like, you didn't, it didn't take a lot of convincing, you know, I mean, it's like for any of them, you know, there was just something they all wanted to be sort of involved with, which I think over the years, like definitely opened a lot of doors, you know, creatively and just in that. Cause you know, there's always, I, I never got to the past. I mean, I still get nervous sometimes about calling new people or people that, you know, at a certain level or whatever, where you're just kind of like, ah, you know, don't know what they're going to say right you know so about trying to get them to come yeah just get them to do work or just whatever Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's definitely i mean everybody has think has those insecurities you know which i'm always like amazed by i'm always amazed by the people who come to me like out of the blue you know and it's like not that i'm like such hot shit but it's also just like it takes so much courage right to stand on the other side of the table and walk up to someone and be like hey i have an idea for this or could i talk to you about that and you know so Anyway, well, this is awesome. You know, th- you've thrown a lot out there that I want to yes. because I also want to back. No, this is great. And I, and I really uh, you're explaining your story and this is terrific. I want to backtrack, though, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Any of those indie movies? Would we have heard of any of the movies that you worked on? Oh, God, uh, I think Sling Blade was probably like the biggest one that we had worked cool. on. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and you were were you doing like just like kind of grunt publicity work? Yeah, it was, there it was that some kind of like thing? unit stuff. And then there was some you know, lots of setting up screenings. And then because there were so, like I said, so many people were trying to get rich, like doing stuff through, you know, going to film festivals and stuff. So you would just get, you'd get a movie just for a festival, you know? So if you were taking it to the Hamptons or you were taking it to Sundance or you were taking it, you know, so you might just have a six month contract, you know? I mean, one of the guys we did a thing for was the, um, there was some film festival in New York, but it's that guy, Todd, is it Todd Phillips? The guy from, the guy who's done, yeah, he did like Bridesmaids? the Hangover movies and all that kind oh, of okay. stuff. Yeah, like all those kind of movies. Like he's just like huge now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like this young guy who had like some. It was some alternative film festival in New York that that they were running, and um, yeah. So there's definitely things like that. But yeah, I think Sling Blade was probably the one that at the time was like the biggest thing. I'm trying to think of other ones, but you know, I mean, it was just at that point like everybody. It was kind of around the same time as the internet, like right before the internet boom started. So everybody you met either had a independent film or they were starting some, you know, pets.com or something, right? I mean, that was like the big, you know, yes. mid-90s in New York was like, that was the thing, you know? So, yeah, so it was, it was you know, it was fun, but it was a lot. I mean, we literally used to stuff envelopes, like for screenings. Like you'd have a screening of something and be inviting people. And you're like, I'm, you know, not kidding, like literally stuffing like, 2000 envelopes to like send out to people to come to your screen sure. <laughs> walking around New York trying to find mailboxes that you could like stuff them into you know so <laughs> I know so there was like you know it wasn't it wasn't as glamorous as uh, <clears throat> as it might have sounded but um but it was cool it was like a boutique little thing and they did some music stuff and other things like that okay. but um but yeah I was happy to you know, get out of there. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. was happy to switch over to the comic book world. I mean, I remember I showed up in the suit like on my first day at work, and they just laughed at me. Like Axel just laughed at me, and everybody was just like, "What are you? <laughs> what are you wearing?" And I was just like, "I don't know, a suit, I guess you'd call it." You know, and they were like, "No, don't. Like, go in the bathroom and take that off. Like, you're just gonna make everyone nervous." You know. 
<laughs> when when you started, what were some of the books that you were associate editing on before you took over Hunter Um I well, so like Shelley's books like like The Dreaming was one. That was like a Sandman right, spinoff. Okay. And then okay. she had a book like Dead Enders, which was Ed Brubaker had was written. He had mm-hmm. just finished Scene in the Crime. Um Oh awesome. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He had just finished that. So it was right on the cusp of that. And then there was like American Century was like the Chaikin book that Yes, he was, with Dave Tishman. Yes, yeah, indeed. Dave Tishman and, and Mark Laming, who at the time then kind of he kind of flamed out a little and then he came back. Like and his stuff now is great. Like the work that he's yes. been doing now is terrific. But yes. um Yeah, and then we she was doing um trying to think of the other ones well then fables came in like i remember the day fables like the pitch for fables came in i don't know if bill faxed it bill willingham like faxed it or emailed it in but it was one of those just like holy crap like this it was such a seemed like such a slam dunk you know at the time absolutely yeah um, why hadn't someone thought of this yeah and those are always the ones where you're just like i can't believe no one has you know but that didn't i mean actually though the ironic part though is that she still like had to kind of fight for it you know which we had to fight for everything which is you know it's probably good but when you talk to a lot of these guys like you know why the last man or fables like i think some of them end up feeling years later like why did i have to fight so hard for that to get improved yeah. <laughs> you know but yeah. but that, that, you know i mean karen karen was definitely tough like it was just like if you could get it past karen and you could get her on your team like she was a great advocate but it was no walk in the park to get to get her to say yes to stuff you know <laughs> Understood. But, Absolutely. you know, but I think that was the thing that kept for years and, and, you know, still it's just like it wasn't it wasn't the place where you just necessarily, you know, your first idea always got picked or your first, you know, like there was definitely tough. And but I think it helped, you know, it helped a lot of people like get their quality level to a certain point where, you know, where we all thought it should be, you know, but but, you know, we definitely passed that, you know, we definitely missed out on, I think, things over the years that maybe they just, you know. In hindsight, you never know, but <laughs> sure. What can you can you say? Some of the things that got by you, and they were like, "Oh shit!" Um, you know, I don't know if they necessarily got by me, but like things like um, what was the one? I know, like Chew. That book, I think, got pitched to, to really okay. Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. I think John Lehman would, you know, say that he try to get that done. Um, think you know things like that. There's definitely some image stuff that you know at some point. And it, I had heard Saga was one of those things that you know um, was. Was rejected. I don't think so. I mean, by okay. the time we were done with Why the Last Man, and you know, I'd finished Why the Last Man, and then I had done, um, I had done uh, Pride, you know, Pride of Baghdad with yes, Brian. Yeah. Um, Absolutely great Pride of Baghdad. Yeah, Definitely. so we had done that, and I think by then he was like, you know, he was just kind of like, I want to go do other stuff, you know. And then he started working on okay. Lo- he started working on Lost, and then he started working on. Um, you know, all the other stuff that he was doing. And then when he came back now, nah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, he never talked to me about saga and I think, I don't think okay. there would have been anybody else. He would have talked. I, mean, I think at that point, like they would have taken anything he wanted to do at that point, because, you know, I think it was, I think it was definitely one of the things that we all felt like, Oh, if we could have kept him, you know, in the mix more, but he, there was no like drama about him leaving. He just like, Brian is just very like, I think he has a path and he's always been on the path and he's very like clear about what the path is and like what he's been doing, you know? Um, and that yeah, makes him maybe sound like kind of ruthless or something, but it's just, he's very smart about it and very like, I'm going to do this for a while and then I'm going to do this, you know? And I think he's kind of managed to, I mean, he's managed to make this incredible career, you know, sure. um, out of that kind of stuff. And, you know, and also very strict about, 
you know, this is just a comic or I don't want to do this as a movie. You know, I mean, he could make any of the ideas he has, I'm sure, turn into TV shows or try to get him into movies. But he's very like, I mean, the stuff he's doing with Panel Syndicate and those things, it's just like, I mean, I have a lot of admiration for that, that he's just, absolutely, you know, that he's willing to like do stuff just for creative reasons or whatever. I mean, a lot of, you know. It's like yeah, he's constantly innovating. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's very easy, and myself included, to get kind of complacent. You know, I mean, you can really sure. just sort of sit on your, you know, rest on your laurels or do the same thing again. You know, and so these these uh, these creators that are able to constantly try to innovate or just come, you know, come up with new challenges for themselves. I mean, it's definitely admirable because I, you know, I think your average person, myself included, left their own devices is. You know, it's like usually the kind of the easy way is the way, you yeah, know, the safe way. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, we could keep I mean, you know, I mean, Azrael's like, I think, you know, the same way in terms of just, you know, you could keep just doing the same thing necessarily. But, you know, I think you want to try to push to do different stuff. But um, but yeah, Vaughn has definitely um, seemed to have a roadmap for what he was doing. But um, yeah, I mean, Saga has been incredible. And Paper Girls too. I mean, I love Paper Girls. Yes. So my yeah, my oh no, Cliff's Cliff's drawing the hell out of that book. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So and they're all great, like gateway drugs, you know, in terms of the stuff. I mean, Brian's done an amazing job. All of his projects really have been that you can just give them to anybody and say, yeah, this is what comics are can be, you know. Definitely so. yes, and it, you know, I remember uh, when uh, the Vertigo crime novels. Mm-hmm. Were coming out and and yeah, I really loved that. You know, Brian was just writing straight up. You know, like filthy rich and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect example. You know that it was just this great little you know noir thing. I mean, you know, Hundred Bullets still had that kind of you know monthly. Let's you know let's really build a very long story mm-hmm. with a bunch of short stories and mm-hmm. stuff to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, even that innovation I think was kind of a breakthrough mm-hmm. to do a finite series that really was one long novel. Right. That was broken up in, you know, shorter arcs and everything and, and certainly monthly issues. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean and I mean that had already started by the time you got there and stuff. Was was Vaughn like you 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 were the you were the editor on Why? Yeah, but I didn't Heidi McDonald, like who, you know, runs the beat, is like she was yes. like the acquiring editor. So Okay. Yeah, for a while. Okay. Like I mean, you know, like I said, a lot of my sort of success was kind of luck in terms of that, you know, like so I took that over after she left around issue. 13 or 14 like she left dc and so yeah so those like like i said even the big ones that are like big hits like that considered big hits like i didn't actually initiate those i just kind of kept them from you know crashing and burning (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but, uh yeah so i mean i took that one over but then you know you get other stuff i mean like things like pride and of course everything brian azarella did after 100 bullets was all stuff that i you know helped get going and then yeah so like jason aaron is for me is probably my big kind of you know, out yes. of the blue guy, you know, that sort of has gone on to do stuff that I really could, you know, take some credit for at least, you know, sure. Having the, yeah. Tell me about, tell me about, uh, find, you know, coming across Jason. Yeah. Who found who? Well, so Jason had sent the, he was literally like one of those like bolt out of the blue guy sent, sent an email to me and another, another editor at DC. Um, I'm trying to think who it is, but I don't want to like out them anyway, but so it was no just a, one of those really nice, like kind of like, Hey, you don't know me, but you know, my name's Jason Aaron, and I have this idea for this Vietnam book that's um, uh, about – because his cousin was the guy who had written the book, like, The Short Timers, which was, like, the the basis for um, Full Metal Jacket. Yep. You know, that, so 
he was his uncle, not his uncle. I think it was like a second cousin or something. And yeah, it was either second cousin or an uncle. I yeah, it was yes. I mean, like age wise, it probably should have been his uncle, but I think it actually was like a second cousin or something. Sure. But, um, sure. So yeah, so he sent this thing saying, "Hey, I have this thing," and it's it's kind of roughly based off of some of his, um, you know, his some of his writings and some of his experiences, but coming at it from like this different angle of like this sort of view of like the the Viet Cong guy and the American guy's sort of parallel views of stuff and. At the time, it was called Grunts, but then there was a, I think it was like a Keith Giffen book or something that was out at the same time that was called Grunts, or and I don't know, but I think that was like a zombie Vietnam. I don't know. There was something, some reason we couldn't use Grunts, okay. but so we spent a long time trying to come up with another name for it. I'm sure there's a list somewhere of like a million lists of, of bad names that we rejected or, you know, we couldn't figure <laughs> out, but until we landed on like the other side, which, um, but uh, yeah, so it was one Who of the- Who drew that? What, Who drew uh, that? Cameron Stewart drew that. Yes. Yeah, okay. So. Go on. Go on. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, and it literally was like this, you don't know me and I, and I have this idea and I don't, you know, I understand if you, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, read it or don't have time to read it. Um, I want, you know, he'd won some contest at, at Marvel, like to write a six page Wolverine story or something like that. So like, at least I could say like, well, he wasn't completely, cause we weren't really supposed to, you know, technically t- supposed to take like unsolicited stuff. Right. You know, but what, you know, you, you sort of like, well, I, you got my contact from someone at Marvel, so it's a little like it feels a little less just kind of unsolicited, like slush pile, mm-hmm. you know. And even then, we were sure. we were still looking at what you'd call like a slush pile of stuff that just came in li- okay. literally over the transom. Like people would, it was just these stacks that would pile up in the offices, and like maybe once a month or two, they'd buy us like all pizzas and we'd sit around at night like going through them to see you know what was in there if there's anything there yeah absolutely yeah and so you know at that point i mean that's all changed like over the years of course like you can't you know because i you know you're not allowed to take stuff unsolicited and right yeah now it's more more corporate yeah 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 it's kind of impossible to do it that way brothers got a little bit more involved in it um and rightfully so because there was definitely yeah over the years that happened where you know you just that weirdness of like well i have a you know, vampire space story, but there's one over here and you guys stole the idea. You know, I mean, there's all, it's just, yeah, the, all the, all the bullshit with the uh, matrix. Yeah. Right. That right. I mean, there's yeah, just that sort of stuff happens and, and there seems to be, sure. in my experience, weird cycles of creative ideas that, you know, you tend to get a lot of the same ideas like at the same time for some, I don't know what the lattice of coincidence or what it is, it's but like, yeah, you know, I yeah. remember Alan Moore pointing out that like the steam engine, was literally invented around the same time in different parts of the world in the mid 1800s right. and it's you know it's not like yeah they read it on the internet right, or right. somebody stole something right. i mean things were so distant yeah. then yeah at the same time fulton was doing it some guy in italy was doing it and you know yeah. various forms of that so no it, it's in the air and it's kind of like yeah. smart people kind of reach the same yeah, conclusions just like so collective in the air. unconscious sort of you yeah. know yeah carl young kind of stuff but Sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Jason's thing came in and it was like this very, very nicely written, very polite. And, and I was still always able to respond to people and just say like, Hey, that's sounds cool. But we've been doing, we were doing those Garth Ennis war stories at the time. And, and, yes. you know, I mean, Garth was huge coming off a of preacher, but like, you know, that was, they weren't selling gangbusters certainly compared you, to preacher. Were you editing those books as well? Yeah, I was doing, I was working on those. Those were great. Oh, thanks, yeah. Oh, no, seriously, man, I love those. Those were beautiful. I mean, uh, and now I'm blanking uh, V for Vendetta, uh, who drew V for Vendetta. David Vendetta. Lloyd. Yeah, David Lloyd. I mean, I, yeah. I did a, a video interview with him, and I'm like, dude, your war story was just amazing. Yeah, it, was it was amazing. Just gorgeous. And yeah, Garth just had that passion for those 
little, you know, various war, depending on the war and yeah. everything, just great, amazing stories. Yeah, and he could deliver, like, all this amazing talent. I mean, there was, like, Cam Kennedy and, you know, That's David true. and, yeah, just, like, incredible stuff. But, but you know, I mean, it was, like, it, it's not the thing that necessarily sets the world on fire, like, you know, commercially, right? You know, I mean, it's, like, a passion project for him. And I like working on it as, like, a history fan of that stuff and military kind of history, whatever, but... Yeah. So, you know, I was, you know, and, and frankly, like when you're in the editorial position, like you go through a weird period where for me, it was like, I spent a lot of time early on hustling and trying to get people, you know, convince people to work with me. Cause I, you know, they didn't know me at all, but then you sure. go through that weird period where you spend most of your time kind of saying no to people. Like once you establish yourself a little bit better and then it's like, you know, it kind of shifts. And, you know, my first few years at things like San Diego, like I spent the whole time with like, a list of people like I got to see this and this and this and I got to get to this panel and I got to find this guy at this dinner or this bar, you know, whatever it was like really on the hustle to try to get people to sign up. And then it gets to the point where like, you know, they're, you're on their list and they're chasing you all around like the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're spending more time kind of, you know, I wouldn't say avoiding people. Like I feel like I've been pretty good about not avoiding people, but you know, there is that like, Oh no, I got to listen to this or I, you know, whatever kind of thing. And right. And it sucks to say no. Yeah, I mean, you feel like right. an asshole, oh, yeah. like turning somebody down and it, you know, I mean, you don't want to be that guy breaking another guy's dream, right. but by the same token, no, your job has changed. And yeah, what, you know, yeah, like you said, right. and I'm sure at that point you had a full dance card and it's like, no, man, I can't really do yeah, that. Yeah, and, and yeah, and when your dance card is filled with, you know, Azarello and Vaughn and then you're trying, you know, like there's maybe a slot for like someone, you know, sort of unknown, but even like a place like D.C., like it's really rare that, you know, you're going to be the first place this person works, you know, because I mean, sure. it's just it's hard. Like, you know, even if I love the idea, like I would spend all my time like I know I'm, I'm thinking immediately like, OK, I got to convince Karen, like you know, why this is worth the company's time and money. She's got to then convince, you know, Paul Levitz and, you know, the, the marketing department and the sales department yes. and everything, you know, so it's like, you're not just selling it to me. Like I have to be, I have to have enough ammunition that I can turn around and like use it on all these other things before we get the full weight of the company behind it. Like that was the biggest thing, you know? So it's like, you really got to pick those spots. Like, you know, it has to, sure. it has to check a lot of boxes in order for you to sort of, you know, want to like have those fights. Cause it's like, you know, how many Hills do you want to die on? Like in a week, you know, like, I mean, so it's like every great idea. I mean, I had to turn down stuff that comics that I know, you know, like, this is a great idea. This is a great comic. I, you know, but it's like, I just can't, I can't get it over the goal line, you know, or we just can't, sure. you know, and that's just the way. It, and, you know, and I always felt like, yeah, but you end up, do you do feel like kind of an asshole sometimes, or you feel like. I feel like there's a lot of people that have good things to say about me in the industry, but I'm certain that, you know, there's plenty of people that would be like, oh, that guy totally, you know, like, you know, right yeah, or he blew me off or he just wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I, you know, and I, what can I say about it, you know, but so, it, but to mitigate some of that, I always felt like I, I did try hard to, you know, get back to people, get feedback to people. If I could find another, I've certainly like helped place things other places, you know, in terms of. Oh, that's cool. Wow. You know, that's great editorially like you know because you know it's a very small club right i mean there's there, i think sure. there, there's more nba basketball players than there are comic book editors in the world you know so it's like you know i mean it's <laughs> that's a, absolutely I mean, true how many, heard, how many i might have heard you say that before yeah, probably. I can't remember, but I, you're right I mean, though absolutely yeah you know, i mean how many comic book editors can there possibly be in the whole world like a hundred like gotta be you know maybe max you know you can include like europeans and stuff so it's like you know we all know each other we all sort of you know, and so, yeah, there's definitely that sort of thing. Would you mind saying? 
any anything that you moved over to other other um, other? Uh... I know, like that book. I mean, recently, like that book uh, Arcadia that was at. Um, it just was at boom, like in the last year. Um, it's a really strong, interesting book. It's kind of Warren Ellis, a little Grant Morris, but like a little more Grant Morrison, but a little like more kind of Warren Ellis, like gave me the feel of. Um, I think it's wrapped up there now, but he's doing another book. His name's his name's Alex. Pax, Paxendale? I'm sorry, I'm screwing this up, but he's a really strong writer, and it was, I think Andy Diggle had recommended him to me, and then it was, um, it was just too close to like my time, like wrapping up at DC, that sure, for them sure. to really want to like you know move it forward. But the response was really positive, and then it was just one of those like, well, let me you know, like so the guys at Boom were really good guys, like Matt and those guys, yeah, and I just oh, was yeah. like, hey, you should at least just take a look at this guy. He's you know, I mean, you don't owe, you know, you don't owe anybody anything and, you know, it's no promises, but it's like, read this stuff and see what you think, you know? And they were really nice. They put like a special thanks to me, like in the book and sent me comps oh, and cool. stuff. And yeah, so, I mean, that kind of stuff, I don't, you know, I don't, was that, I don't know if that was, you know, I think that people did that kind of stuff. I don't think I was the only one who was doing that. I hope I wasn't, well, sure. but, um, you know, so a little bit of that's just Catholic guilt or whatever that you're trying to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Greek and I am so I, I to choke. It's not it's not exclusive to Catholics, man. Back, it's all right. You know, but uh <laughs> yeah, so so Jason was the guy who sent that thing in and then um yeah, and, and he says that the story, you know, his version of the story is that it took a, like a lot a really long time for for, you know, stuff to happen, which it might have. I'm sure it felt longer to him than it felt to me, but it was one of those like, hey, you know, and he was very like he was he perseverance but like very polite you know he's southern he's very polite you know and and so yes. i was like i don't know you know it sounds like a good idea but we had these war books and you know they do okay but that's garth ennis and you're not garth ennis and you know so i don't this is a little tough of a sell for me and then he sent the thing and just was like well i have the first script written if you if you you know have time to read it that would be terrific if you don't you know no hard feelings i understand and and so i you know i i don't know how long i sat on it i mean i think i've heard him say that it was a while but I, you know, who knows, but, um, I'm sure it was, you know, but, uh, I print, I remember I printed it out and read it and I was like riding home on the train and, um, which is where I did most of my reading, you know, cause I, I never read mm-hmm. scripts and pitches really at the office cause you just couldn't, there was just too many interruptions, right. You know, and you just couldn't, sure. you needed some sort of solitary time to kind of let it, you know, like I'd read a pitch. Well, yeah, visualize. Yeah, visualize the script. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and I would read it once through, just trying to read it like cold, you know, like not like I would get kind. Of, I and I would sometimes even even new scripts, like I would put off like maybe like a day because I, I don't know there was this weird sort of like almost trepidation about it, you know, where you were just like I don't I you know I don't want it to be bad. I don't want to have to you know see so kind of let you read it once and then you kind of let it sink in and then you read it again and then maybe make your notes and you know that sort of stuff like on the second or third you know read through i mean not of a script of a series like you know 100 bullets 74 or something you know but new stuff where you really have to kind of be visualizing it and and simultaneously thinking of like how am i going to sell this to to dc and you know who can we get to draw it and you know you all those wheels start turning right away so it's hard to like it's hard to have a nice clean creative read of it you know like in mm-hmm. And but I remember reading it and just being like, oh my god, this guy is really, really good. Like this, the, like the hair standing up on your arm, kind of like wow, you know. And then I sent it to Fantastic. my assistant, and I was like, can you read this for me because I trust my own judgment, but you know, uh, you never know, right? And and then you just sure. like, I think it's terrific, but like, can you just read it and make sure that I'm not completely, you know, nuts? And then 
and then he called me back or at some point or read it and was just like, yeah, this is really like level above what you would normally expect to get, you know, and, and the way the script was written and just the, the language he used and that he had all these references to like, you know, like lines of dialogue and passages from like the red badge of courage and other things just to sort of <laughs> things that weren't relevant from like, you know, like not the artist, like don't draw this, but just to, to immerse you in the feeling of what it would feel like to be a, a, just a teenager thrown into this like shit show of like, you know, Vietnam or the civil war, sure, or whatever man. the hell it was. Yeah. And just, this, yeah, 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 exactly. And it was like, who takes the time to do that? Like very, very few people do that, you know? And, um, and, uh, at that level particularly, you know, and sort of, um, yeah. So I don't know. And then I think it was one of those, and it was hard cause you know, if all I had was a full script, so it was kind of like, how, how am I going to get Karen to read a full script? And, you know, cause she had a million things and she had four or five other editors like giving her stuff all the time, you know? So it was always like trying to pick your spot and try to find a time for her to read it. So then I pulled a little bit of an end around with this one cause Richard Bruning, who was the creative director, you know, VP, like art director, VP at the time, who was also her husband, uh -huh. who he is off okay. down the hall. And I was good friends with him. And he, he'd written some stuff for, he's done some writing for DC and kind of, you know, noir crime kind of stuff. And, and, you know, we had similar sensibilities and we were big, huge fans of, um, lots of crime writers that we really liked and, you know, that sort of stuff. So it was one of those things where I was talking to him about, Oh, I have this thing and you know, it's really, really well written and I don't know, you know, I got to give it to Karen, but you know, I know she's got a million other things and you know, it was a long script, right? It was like 50 pages probably or something. Cause you know, it was like a 24 page script or something regular pages, but it was pretty dense, you know? So he sure. was like, well, let me check it out. You know, I'll, maybe I'll read it. It sounds really good. You're really selling it. So then he read it and then it was one of these things where like he, pass it to somebody i don't know he passed it to someone else so it got to be this point where karen came to me and was like hey what's this script that everyone's read but me like what you know what's the problem like why aren't you oh, showing me this you know and, and and i was just like oh funny you should ask me that you know and like you pull it out of your back pocket like yeah check it out you know and yeah and she had an immediate reaction to it too that was just like yeah this guy is really she's like we just need to buy this like right now like i don't care what that's amazing. Yeah. And, and, Especially you know. that it's just a script too. I mean, my God. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it was just like, but it was just one of those things where it was just so obvious that here was a really talented person with a voice that was just, you know, um, yeah. So, and that, that, you know, that was the one that really to this day is like the, the, the kind of literal like bolt out of the blue, you know? So then we started doing that and then we seem simultaneously pretty soon afterwards started talking about scout, um, but Scalp originally he pitched as like a western. It was like a reboot of like an old DC Scalp Hunter or something. I want to say is sure. like the character. I know Scalp Hunter absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the classic DC westerns. Yeah. Characters. So and we used to do that a lot. Like I mean, I used to you know like after Azrael got started with that Johnny Double or like reboot, you know. So yes, which I loved. Yeah, absolutely. I know. It was yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, but so that was that had at least for me was a bit of a pattern in terms of like. You know, I had a short list of titles that like DC had said you could use. Like I used to go through these old who's who, like those volumes and just, sure. you know, put, you know, things like I think there was like Grave Digger, Scalp Hunter, Space Cabbie, Little Losers yes. was one. Like there was yes. all these things. So then, you know, things that you were just like they were more willing to take a chance on like a reboot of something with someone new because it was, you know, it wasn't creator owned. So they weren't giving away rights and, you know, whatever. And, um, and, and it helped also sometimes with like getting, keeping the 
copyright and trademark active and you know that sort of stuff so certainly yeah the name itself absolutely yeah so they you know they definitely would do that you know occasionally come to you and say hey we need to do something with x y or z you know and um yeah so that was originally and it was like a western pitch and 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 i was just kind of like i don't know we were i think we were working on loveless at the time which was the azarella western Yep, which, great, great which I love. Yeah, thank you. Me but, too, man. But like, it wasn't selling. Like nobody was buying it, you know. And and um, and yeah. And so I was like, I don't know. We can't really, you know, we're not going to do another one on top of that. And and so then, uh, but eventually it evolved into, you know, sort of. I mean, I got kind of known as like the sort of crime, you know, sort of sensibility mm-hmm. and stuff. And yes. And yeah, I don't know. We just had started having conversations about stuff. And, and I'd grown up in central New York, like real near a, a Native American Indian reservation, which had like one of the first casinos on it, you know, and stuff. And, okay. and so there was a lot of talk about, well, you know, how can we update this or, or, you know, what can we do? And then it was like, you know, here you have this world that hasn't really been explored too much. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And, and any environment where you suddenly take something that, you know, this fairly, fairly forgotten, fairly disenfranchised, you know, kind of environment. And then you drop in like this cash machine that, you know, of, of the casino, you know, and I mean, I knew people like, cause you know, we lived pretty close to this reservation and it was like, you, you know, all of a sudden you start getting all this money for stuff like guys, you know, the guys that start driving around and like in all these, you know, cool cars and you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's a lot for anyone to take. It's like when you, you know, you're like some sports star, you're suddenly you're getting like millions of dollars. Like, you know, so we were like, anytime you infuse like this environment with a lot of, you know, cash and other things, like all those problems, you know, that are naturally going to follow. But, um, yeah. And then, you know, Jason just sort of went from there in terms of the, you know, just like the richness of it and the, the characters and, you know, all the, all the stuff, you know, um, well that added level too of that Donnie Brasco thing of being a, you know, a, a fed that's kind of, yeah. you know, even from, from the environment, but infiltrating it with an agenda and with a law agenda, right. You know, and, and that was, you know, cause I was a big Donnie Brasco fan and wise guy and, you know, mm-hmm. shows like that. So that appealed to me. And also just like you said, I was a boxing writer so mm-hmm. I didn't do a lot of uh, fights at Indian casinos here in the Midwest because there weren't as many as there are at like Mohegan Sun and some of the East Coast uh, Indian casinos and stuff. But there were enough that, yeah, it was. It was an interesting environment. And, yeah, like you say, too, just just the juxtaposition of, you know, the, the kind of poor housing and, and just kind mm-hmm. of tough life on the res and everything along with this big money-making casino. It's just – it's sad. It really oh, is. No. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, and right and ready for for stories. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, and it was you know, I mean, it was tricky trying to figure out like how how do we how do we do this without it being you know just exploitive and you know that sort of stuff. And yes. you know, and he definitely took some heat like early on yep. for some of the yep. stuff that we were you know some of the you know the covers or just sort of the things or you know out of context like some of the stuff you know could look that way, but well, and the title itself being scalp, right. Right. I'm right. sure that that was a big kind yeah, of, hey, what the hell is this? Yeah, we no, don't I like this. Definitely, like, I, I, I think I was the one no vote, like, in the room about the really? title. Yeah, because I just felt like, I don't know. Like, it, there was something about it sure. that was troubling to me, you know. And then everyone else, though, was sort of like, no, nah, but that's, like, the strength <laughs> of it, that it kind of is working on all these different levels, you know. And it's, it's very. Like, it's like having a book called Lynch. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. man. My God. Right. Yeah. No, that's a loaded word, man. Very sort of literal, you know, or very sort of vi- yes. visceral, but then could be literal, you know. So, 
which is you know which is sort of um yeah i know i remember being at the time like i don't know this is this is bothering me but then you know people were sort of like well you know but that's is that a bad thing you know is that something that you necessarily like shouldn't you be kind of challenging i mean i think in karen's mind that was always like the vertigo mandate was to be provocative or be challenging in, in a, like a smart way you know so yeah i got i got overruled on that i don't know what i would have voted for instead but i definitely remember at the time being like less than sold on that as the title but um sure yeah you know we were trying to figure it out i mean i know like we he, we both were huge fans of that um state of grace that movie that that sean penn movie that um you ever seen that movie it's like set like in uh it's set like in in hell's kitchen like and he's a he's a guy who grew up in the neighborhood and then he comes back and he's basically like an undercover he's like an undercover cop you know i'm gonna have to see that one yeah it's like okay he's got an amazing cast like gary oldman ed harris like robin i think well i think she was just robin penn at the time or robin wright at the time and sure you know she's like a teenager practically but yeah, John Turturro's in it. Like, it's really – yeah, so, I mean, it, it's like we kind of swipe like that, the, the setup for that at least to, to, to launch this thing. Um, okay. At the time. And, I mean, the biggest arguments we had were about, like, when did we reveal, like, you know, that Dash was an, an agent. I think originally it was, like, at the end of the the first story arc, which was would have been, like, issue five or something. And then, then I think it was – we tried to do it at the end of issue two. And then – but I, I think, you know, I was just, like – people aren't going to stick around this long. Like we need some, we need something that's going to like kind of smack them in the teeth. Like, you know, at the end of the first issue, you know, and that was like, um, but yeah, Jason was definitely not like, he wanted much more of like a slow burn, you know, reveal on that. And I was just like, shit scared that, you know, it, no one's going to be around issue five, you know, or issue three or whatever. So, well, you know, talk about that because I think that is one of the, I don't want to call it a failure, but really some of the like the bad idea of oh no we we need that payoff at the end of you know a couple of issues and it's like I, you know that first issue is so important especially when you have something that isn't like everything else. Uh-huh. I mean it's it's a double edged sword because you want to be different, but by the same token you got to let people kind of know right this is the ride you're going on right and and let them decide if they want to continue or not and I and I do think that sometimes there's just not enough twist early enough right to get people to to jump onto a, a long ride no i yeah i think and that's what we were constantly struggling about i mean it was just yeah because as somebody who i i enjoy like the kind of slow burn you know whether it's like in a film or a book you know like i'm not necessarily the person that like you know he 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 would have a fellow traveler in me in terms of like well let's you know dole this out slowly you know and azarello was always the same you know He's always, he wants to like underplay everything, you know, and, and, and I would a lot of times agree with him. And I think sometimes like to our detriment, because it's sort of like, you know, people would be left scratching their head or it was too ambiguous or it was not enough like closure, you know, because I think particularly mm-hmm. comic book people have a sense of like, they want, if you're not going to close the, the circle for them, then they want the, like the, the Brian K. Vaughn, like, holy crap, like last page you know like Vaughn is like a master at that in terms of like getting you to come back for the next issue kind of thing um whereas yeah with Jason is much more I think was quieter you know and it was going to be this kind of slow burn and so you know but that was yeah that was definitely like kind of figuring out like how do we do this so that doesn't feel artificial but it also sticks enough 
you know, in your, in your jaw that you're going to come back. I mean, I remember when we were doing the losers, like with Andy Diggle and, and, and Jock, like the first, yeah, issue. I want to hear about this, please. Yeah. 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 The first issue of that, like poor Andy rewrote that like 10 times or something. And I don't usually, I'm not notorious. I don't think for making people do lots of rewrites or some other editors will, you know, make you do 10 versions of something like uh, that's never been my real MO, but he ended up doing a bunch of them, but like probably seven of them, were like 10% changes, you know, like the original one had, had the clay, it's clay, right? It's like the head of the group. There was mm-hmm. scene after scene after scene, good one, good scenes, clever scenes of him recruiting the losers, you know, like the different, mm-hmm. you know, one guy, you know, was driving a limo and one guy was doing, you know, and it was just like one kind of cute scene after another of him popping up and being like, Hey, I've got this job for you and you know, you should do it. So, the, but like really like by issue, yeah, I think it was a 30 page issue. Then we used to do those like first issues that were longer, which was, yes. which was a huge help. Like, believe me, that was a sure. huge help. But yeah. yeah, I think it was like page 18 or 19 that like nothing had really happened. It had been one scene after another of this, you know, like clever kind of recruitment of the different team members and stuff. And, and I don't know, he kept, he'd cut it or he'd move it or he'd shift the scene or, you know, and it just was like, it was just kind of dead. Like it was just, I'm like, oh, you're 20 pages into it and like nothing has really happened and we don't know what the stakes are. We don't know who the players are really. And, and, you know, we wanted something. I mean, we had really pitched that as like a smart, like action movie, you know, like Vertigo yes. had never really done, you know, like, I mean, like Axel sort of started to push Vertigo towards, stuff that was away from the dark fantasy and a little bit, you know, the crime stuff and a little more genre yes. stuff and a little more, I, I guess, I don't know if commercial is the right word, you know, cause it wasn't like those books didn't sell like, you know, but Sandman and other things, but you know, just, just, just some different genres and some different things. And, you know, so, yeah, so I felt like, you know, I have to want, I, you know, I wanted to keep kind of pushing that because, I mean, Axel's tastes were were probably more mainstream than typical Vertigo, but I think we're still probably more sophisticated in a lot of ways in my own work. Like, a lot of my own sort of fell a little bit more in the kind of just diehard sort of, you know, cool, fun action movie. I mean, that, you know, sort of stuff. So I was like, well, how do I keep, how do I do something like that, but that's still got a Vertigo sensibility to it, you know? Because, Absolutely. Um, you know, because they, I mean, Karen definitely had an idea in her head, like what a Vertigo book was. And so, you know, to be like, oh, it's just a big action thing with double page spreads and it's very comic booky and bright colors. And, you know, that, 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 that was like kryptonite, right? I mean, like that was not, sure, gonna, not enough. That was not, yeah, that's be not something, Vertigo. Right. That was not going right. to be something that they were going to go. For. I mean, that was yeah. the thinking was like, well, that's, you know, Wildstorm. We have Wildstorm. They're doing those kinds of books. And it wasn't really like, uh, you know, necessarily like, uh, you know, a value judgment or indict, you know, it's just like, it's just now all we do, you know? So, sure. Yeah. yeah, So it was to try to figure out like, well, how do we, you know, how do we work in like the politics and how do we work in some of the other kind of maybe relevant things and stuff. And so anyway, yeah. So that was one of those cases where poor Andy rewrote that a bunch of times. And I think he was really at the point where he was like, this isn't, you know, forget this, like this isn't going to work, you know? (laughs) And I don't blame him. Like I, you know, but, and it got to that point where it was just like, let's just start here. You know, like whatever the, like, forget all that. Like, just throw it out. Like, let's just start on page 18 and then move it forward. And then if you want to fill in all this cool stuff later, like, we can do it, you know, and we can do it in the second issue. We can do it in issue five. We can do it whenever. But it's like, if we don't know these guys are on the run and they have all these skills and that, you know, their life is on the line and all that by the end of the first issue, like, no one's going to care. Like, you don't, no one knows you from a hole in the wall. No one's ever heard of Jock. And like, what's that mean anyway? You know, like, people you know so 
yeah, that, that, that was definitely the thing where you just had to be like, well, this is what we're going to do. And yeah, I mean, and I remember you sent me that version, the revised version that just started out with the heist and then it sort of filled mm-hmm. in some stuff. And I was like, yeah, this shit, this is, you know, and there are all these double page spreads and like there's a helicopter picking up a, you know, tractor trailer and there's all this stuff. And you were just like, all right, you know, this is it right here. I hear you, man. Yeah. I, I noticed your video is on. I hope you can't see me because I'm. Uh, oh, is it? I don't know yeah. how I turn that off. It's okay. You know, okay. Yeah, no problem, man. You're, you're walking around and everything. It's all good. Oh, cool. There you go, man. No worries. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm the only reason why I mention it too is sometimes my recording equipment will uh, stop because of getting the the video feed or uh, whatever. Okay. So that's why I always keep it pure audio too. Man. Okay. But no problem. No, and I wanted to. All right. So good. I want to get back to this uh, loser <clears throat> stuff because I'm assuming, obviously, um, had you been looking at Andy's stuff at 2000 AD, and I mean, how did no, you become aware of him? Um, yeah, probably along the lines of. Jason, like he's his, he was closer to Jason Aaron in terms of how he got, he sent me a, a letter, like an actual letter, like a, uh, and, and it said, in the mail. yeah, it was in the mail. And it was like, it was like, oh, I, you know, I've worked with Garth Innes at 2000 AD and he highly recommended your, you know, someone who might have a similar sensibility and I'm trying to break into American comics. Like I'm been an wow. editor for 2000 AD and, you know, stuff. So yeah. And that was one of those ones like, well, you know, for you know you want to maintain like good relationships with garth or anybody that you're working with of course and it was like sure all right well you know send me some stuff um and he i think he had done some of that lenny zero stuff with with jock okay. and he'd done a few he'd written a few things but he was editing a bunch of stuff in 2008 uh, was it sinister dexter wasn't that his thing too uh probably could be i don't yeah i don't because i that was what i read that yeah. i'm like oh this guy's good oh, and yeah. well and actually it was losers both he and jock that was the first thing and jock's art and the story was just like this is amazing <laughs> yeah. and like you said no and it really was man it's like it was i mean i didn't even think of the a-team right away I didn't but it really either. was like a smart. I, I, I was good like, because you know, people said that, and I was like, "Oh, really?" You know, like they're yeah, exactly. Because like, <laughs> yeah, I hated that show too. Because <laughs> yeah, because that was one of the titles. That, you know, that was like an old, like you know, World War II title. And right, uh, right. The Losers was yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had just gone and like secured like a short list, probably eight or ten titles that they said, you know, if you want to do something with these, you can. And and, and so finally, it was just, yeah. With that, it was just like, well, we have this title. It doesn't have to be the the book it doesn't have to be that it's just you know if you want to it's going to be a dc property though it's not going to be a you know it's not going to be your own creator own thing you know I mean, we still would run it as if it were creator own in terms of their you know their input and and their you know we weren't making decisions without you know them being consulted and them you know being stuff it, it wasn't like that because it was company owned it just like you know financially in other ways it was it was less risky for for dc but uh, um, no, I hadn't really read any of his stuff. It was just this thing, and you know, you get a recommendation from Garth Ennis, and I was like, well, you know, it's a, in that level alone, I got to look at it at least. Certainly. Um, yeah, and so we started talking on the phone, I think, and it was just a lot of like shared sensibilities and shared interests, and um, yeah, and then I think another one we had at the time, he did that Lady Constantine. It was like a Hellblazer thing. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that was another one where they were trying to do more Hellblazer content because like the movie was coming out. I think the like the movie with Keanu Reeves, you know, so we were like, yep. oh, let's try to get some more content out there. And he had this big family tree. So I was like, um, you know, well, we could do something with this character, which on the surface initially seems kind of like, what's he going to do with this? You know, and because um, she was just a character that had appeared in like a couple of pages of uh, um, she was in some hell 
Elizabeth, but then she was in Sandman, like she had been in Sandman or something. And uh, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I, don't, I think at the time I had I had sent him this 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 movie called Plunkett and McLean, which is like a weird sort of British. It's a British, like essentially like a British heist movie, like set like in that era, you know, like in the seventeen hundreds or something. And oh, I'm gonna have to look for that. Very cool. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. the guy who's on. Um, who's the guy who's on that Elementary show? Um, yeah, Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah, he's in it. And then there's the other guy who was like the real nasty guy in Train Spotting, like the really like you know badass, oh. like creepy guy with a mustache and stuff. And he's in a lot of British movies and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm like that too, man. I've like James. Uh, is it James Reston, the Irish actor? Uh-huh. He was in Jekyll. Uh-huh. And I might be getting his name wrong. I, I I forget what his name is right now. But yeah, it's like that guy. And then I'll or like um, Roy um, or Ray. Uh, from Sexy Beast yeah, and uh, the yeah, Crystal yeah, exactly, Skull, Indiana right, Jones. Right, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh man, all right, look for movies with this guy because he's awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think yeah. um, Liv Tyler's in it, and oh cool, um, yeah. So it was basically like Funny. they were like high, they were like highway robbery men, you know, like so it's sort of right. like you took like kind of Adam Ant, you know, Adam and the Ants kind yeah, of style, stand and deliver. And, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what it is, which I'm sure was probably one of the titles for it originally. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and so we, you know, I don't know what at the time, and I was just like, oh, this is great. It's got a like I love period stuff, any kind of period stuff. I, I mean, I I will watch any kind of Jane Austen and Bronte sisters, like I, I mean, all that stuff I love. So I was like, Let's that's see. very funny. That would not be expected no, given the stuff oh that you've God, been I, editing I, and everything. I love, <laughs> I love any of this masterpiece theater, like you know, anything that's got like windswept moors and. You know that kind of stuff, but sure, sure. Yeah, so I don't know. Men with handkerchiefs. Yeah, yes, right. Men exactly. With oh, I know. Snuff. I wish I could wear those awesome those jackets with lots of buttons on them. And Ooh, that's Lord Fogarty, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, ascots. You, yeah, you could rock rock an ascot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hilarious. I don't know. So he pitched that thing, and it ended up being this sort of magical kind of rompy thing, you know. And then it was just that was another one where we're like, all right, well, let's try to do this the losers thing and then you know, he he had suggested jock as the artist and i was like no nah, i don't think so this guy isn't i don't really like his stuff like he's you know stupidly he had only sent me he sent me some <laughs> painted stuff that he had done like some painted okay. covers for for 2000 ad and i was like yeah, i don't know this seems very like kind of mid 90s vertigo like i i was like i don't you know i want something like it's the loser like we want something really slick you know like something really kind of sharp and slick and and uh and yeah, I was totally against it at first, like hiring him to do it, which is, you know, stupid me. But um, <laughs> but then it was one of those things like, all right, well, let, you know, can you just can, here's some of the stuff he's done. Here's what he's capable of doing. You know, and if you ever met Jack, I mean, he's like the nicest, most charming yes. person on earth. And so yeah, it was one of those things like, hey, look, you know, I understand. Just like, let me let me, you know, give me a chance. Like, let me just do some samples or like whatever. Yeah. And then he sent in this batch of all of these. They were like promo images and bunches of which ended up being covers. But and I think I'm, I wouldn't say all of them ended up being covers at some point, but a lot of them ended up being covers. And yeah, you just like knew right away. You were just like, wow, this guy, you know, this stuff is really cool looking like, cause it was kind of rough and sophisticated, but it was also, it had a cool, it just had a cool quality to it. You know, that no question that, that it was exactly kind of what, but enough kind of interesting line and stuff that particularly, you know, for Karen or typical vertigo, sell you know person you could sort of say well it's not just it's not just flash you know it's not just flashy yeah you know like the stuff at wildstorm was always like beautifully you know rendered 
and really flashy and color. You know, I said so it's got a little bite to it, but it's still, but it's also not just like rough. You know, yeah, it was traditional. The Wildstar stuff was more traditional. It yeah. was it was stuff like Jock and really the the good Vertigo books that were coming out in those early two thousands. It would be like that mm-hmm. and Human Target, mm-hmm. and these were the oh, books yeah. that I would tell. I mean, I came back to comics fifteen years ago, so I was in my mid thirties, and I'm like telling my my other thirty plus year old friends, I'm like. No, this is comic books today, and I would show them Losers, or I would show them Loveless or 100 Bullets, and they would just be knocked out by the art, and then I'm like, and you wouldn't believe the story, or Scalp. Right, you know, right. And it's like, this is what's happening now, man. Yeah. And they're like, wow. And, you know, because they're literally, and no offense to these people, they're thinking comic strips and High and Lois and Archie sure. and, you know, the stuff they grew up on, and they're like, sure. oh, my God, this? And it's like, yeah, man. And, like, you know, Dave McKean and, oh, you know, yeah. people – you know, Kent Williams, all these great people that are just coming in and doing this other kind of art and it works and it's suddenly a much more adult product. Right. Yeah. And I didn't realize at the time, like I've been working on this, this book, this art of jock book that, you know, it's like this hardcover collection that's coming out in uh-huh. sep- oh, cool. September. It's through like insight editions, which you know, they do lots of these coffee table books and really cool books sure. of video game art books and they, you know, amazing stuff. So yeah, we're working on that with like Mondo's involved with it, which is like the, you know, the, that poster, you know, toy company in down in Austin, Texas. And so sort of this joint venture thing that we're working on. And yeah, and so I was like writing it with the help of like um, Mike Mulcher, who's over at 2000 AD, did like all these mm-hmm. amazing interviews with like tons of people. And so then I was kind of taking a lot of that and trying to put it together. But I had no idea that Jock, when he first started, like, you know, you mentioned like Kent Williams and John J. Muth and, and yes. you know, um, all these guys. And that's like, he didn't know anything about comics. Like he wasn't really a comic book fan, but he was just like, wanted to be kind of a fine art painter and had all these kind of painting people. And then could see that like, you know, he liked comics, but saw that suddenly like somebody showed him, you know, that like, hey, here's guys who do comics, but they do it in this very fine art way, you know, with this amazing um, sensibility and it's painted and you can do all these things. So that's like how he actually sort of started out, you know, trying to do all that. And it was just like, you know, I had no idea. I mean, as many years as I'd spent like hanging out with him and going to shows and talking on the phone and late nights and early mornings and everything, you know, like it was interesting to see like his, you know, what, what his original inspirations were, you know, of course like Bill Sienkiewicz and you know, all that sort of, you know, stuff that was happening, you know, with, with like Electra assassin and, you know, just you you know, take your pick of any of that just amazing stuff. And, um, yeah. And so that was sort of where he was coming at. Like, he's like, he wanted to kind of paint and he was all sort of self-taught. Like he didn't go to art school really. And wow. Was just, yeah. It was just like wanting to do this kind of fine art painting, but not really knowing what to do with it. And then, you know, through this series of unfortunate events ended up like doing <laughs> comic book stuff. Yeah. And so that I was like, you know, I'd seen a lot of that like starting out and I was just like, I don't know, this isn't really what we, that, what I think this book needs, but you know, the guy's obviously so incredibly versatile that it just didn't, you know, he can do whatever. I mean, he's amazing. So he just sent this yeah. stuff in and it was like, wow, all right, this, this is something cool, you know? And, and you know, that, that helps because we definitely were at the point where, like I said, I mean, it was kind of a hard sell to the, to the, to the typical, it wasn't just Karen. It was just like, you know, I mean, everybody pigeonholes everybody, whether it's the retailers or the, you know, the marketing department, the sales department, you know, you have to convince all these people that like your, you know, opinion on this is going to succeed, you know, and, and a lot of times it doesn't like they're not all home runs, you know? So it's like, they're, sure. they're happy to point out the, 
you know, the nine times out of ten it didn't work when they took your, you know, word for it that it was <laughs> Understood. You well, yeah, can you because you're 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 kind of talking around that, and I am curious because, like you said, I mean the Vertigo <clears throat> books always they did better in trades. Mm-hmm. You know, Sandman and mm-hmm. and all those uh, milestone books you, that we can point to in Hundred right. Bullets, another good example. So that's the thing. It is I would imagine it is hard to, and especially as the brand evolved from dark fantasy's beginnings to the the street level crime that guys like you and, and others brought in. Did you do Human Target as well? No. No, Karen was working on Human Target, like okay. with Milligan and, yeah. you know, with um, Javier Polito and yes. Cliff doing and it. And Cliff as well. Yeah, Cliff Chang but I had as well. Done, yeah, like, absolutely. The, Cliff's, like, real big thing was that – the first thing was that Beware the Creeper that I had done with him. Um, Jason Hall. Yes. It was like a, you know, that was another one that, like, the Creeper, you know, classic DC character – and but for whatever reason, like at the moment, the, the title was available, and I was like, "Well, we could do something with this." And then they got this idea to do this Phantoms kind of twenties yes. Paris art. Yeah, and it, and fitting into your your retro, you know, like whatever what what century nineteenth century yeah. uh, yeah, that or was creeper nineteen like twenties like Paris. Yeah, oh, so it was it was nineteen twenties Paris. Yeah, okay, or, yeah, yeah. So it was all like the you know Dada period, and it was all those guys make appearances. You know, like all these esoteric you know Marcel Duchamp and all these people. Yeah, the Midnight in Paris, the group you see <laughs> yeah, in Midnight in Paris, right, basically. Exactly. Yeah, man, absolutely. No, that's that's cool. But, well, and and I remember Dead Man was one that Vertigo tried to revamp uh-huh. that didn't work yeah you know? that was, yeah that's true yeah i mean there was definitely ones like that that they you know we would just try over the years like different different things and sometimes it would work like johnny double or some of these and other times yeah but a lot of times it was just really to get you to that it was to convince everybody that you could they could do it you know like cliff chang like yeah he's capable because cliff had been an assistant i basically took cliff's job like cliff was an assistant editor at vertigo and then he quit I didn't know that yeah, wow. he was working there. Like he had worked. Heidi McDonald had hired him, I think, at Disney, like doing stuff. And then he had come over, and he was working with like Stuart Moore and uh, mm-hmm. Axel, like when they were, you know, both still at Vertigo. And then Stuart Stuart left, and then um, they were going to move him. They were going to move him to work with Shelley, or they were going to split him up between a few different people, which is never fun for like an assistant, right? You know, and and he and he didn't want, you know, he wanted to try this comic book thing you know because i think a lot of people get sure. in, get into you know artists and writers get into the business in editorial like thinking you know oh it's just a stepping stone to that but you know it's a full-time difficult job so it's like there's yeah. not a lot of time and energy left over for that and it's very easy to watch the you know the years tick away and you're not doing the thing you really want to do you know and and, Absolutely. and, and yeah i mean i admire cliff like i just you can't believe because it was like he had the guts to just be like no i want to you know I want to try to make it as a comic book artist. Like, you know, I mean, it'd be easy to sit here for years and work on cool projects and make suggestions and, you know, whatever it is you do as an editor. But, you know, so he just was basically like, I need to give myself this chance to do this, you know? And I didn't know, I mean, I'd met him like my first week at there, like he was basically cleaning out his desk and I, I met him then. And, um, yeah. And, and, you know, so he was around showing stuff and whatever, but so yeah, we put it, you know, got, got on this creeper thing and then, you know, I think that ended up then opening, you know, doors for all the you know, human target and lots of other stuff, you know. Um, That's cool. Yeah, no, it was cool. But um, on the, on, we haven't talked much on the art side <clears throat> yet. Tell me, like, tell me about, like, getting R.M. Garrett for Scalped or, uh, or <clears throat> Cameron for other side and, and some of these other art choices. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's finding somebody who, you know, like if the writer is kind of unknown, 
like Cameron at the time on other side, like I had worked with him a little at the end of the invisibles. Like he had done some stuff mm -hmm. on that last year of the invisibles, the Grant Morrison book. Um, oh yeah. He had done some stuff and I had, and then he had worked, I think on dead enders too, because his work looked a lot like, um, Philip Bonds, who was like also doing some, but Philip's, you know, kind of, I mean, his art's amazing, but he's kind of slow. So it was like getting, so he, Cameron was helping, I think doing like layouts or doing other things. And then Philip was like finishing it and stuff. And, um, but by then he was starting to get a little bit of a name, you know? So it's like, well, maybe we get a guy here who's got a little bit more shine on him, you know, at least to help, you know, on that side when you're pairing him up with an unknown writer. But, um, but then sometimes it just works out like, like with Scalp. We didn't. We had gotten the book approved, and we had working out like the breakdown, like the layout, you know, the, the outline of the series, kind of at least you know the year, first year ish or so. You know, mm -hmm. I usually try to like plot it out, and, um, and we didn't have an artist. And then, oh, I think it was like a three-page sample came in, and it might have come in via email at that point, but um, I'm sure it was email at that point. But it came in from him saying that he had gotten my email address from somebody and had some samples and was anybody like looking for this work. And now he had done all the stuff in Europe and was fairly well known. And like people in European comic circles, like know him for years. He's been doing it for sure. 20 years and he had all these French albums and he did this like pirate book that he'd like written and drawn in France. Um, wow. yeah, I think it's called like Ronald Drake or something like that. But yeah, so he was well known like in European circles, but I had never heard of him. And I was surprised because I was thought I was pretty well versed in European comic art just because it was a lot more my sensibility and taste, you know, and, and I, I'd never heard of him. And so, but he sent these three pages in and they were from, they were like books of magic samples, which is like an old you oh, know, wow. sort of thing. And Tim Hunter and it's like him and he's riding around like on this horse like at some weird castle or something i don't even know like what the hell or where okay at the pages or what the hell they were um but i looked at the thing and i literally was like stupid it was like anybody can draw a horse like this like because horses are notoriously hard to draw right like hands <laughs> yes hands and horses and dogs things like that like artists will all tell you like are the worst things to do so Yep. It was just amazing. It was just like all this like sun dappled sort of horse with like these leaves around them and then this kid on the horse and then this like kind of gothic castle. And I mean, I don't even know. I never even read books of magic, so I didn't even know like what, you know, what it was from or anything. And and I just remember going into Karen's office and being like, this is the guy like this is this stuff is incredible. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what the hell he's doing. But I said, you know, we really should put him on this. Yeah, and for you know, I don't know, say for once, but she was just like, "Yeah, this is amazing! Like, this guy's incredible." Uh, um, and I sent it to Jason, and Jason was equally like, sort of, you know, blown away by it. And then we sent him like a real brief synopsis of the series, and then he sent back this two-page sequence, which was ended up being like the 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 native guys like when they kill the two FBI agents, like you know, in the past, you know, the the scene that was roughly based on the actual like, you know the historical stuff that happened, um, you know, like mm -hmm. Leonard Peltier and the incident at Aglala and all that, you know, like there's a documentary about that that has it amazing, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was just a scene that he just did the whole thing. There was no script for it or anything. He just did the scene and it was just like, wow. Like, you know, you just knew right away that, that this was the guy that had the, you know, was going to bring this whole thing to life, like in a way. And then, you know, of course, you know, this just this weird, like kismet sort of thing that, so he like he's Serbian, but he was living in Barcelona because he'd moved there like during the civil 
war, like in the early '90s, to get away from that. Yes, because so All many the of Milosevic his, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, so, so many yeah. of his friends, Yugoslavia. Yeah, so so many of his friends, like you know, were caught up in the war, had been killed in the war. You know, or, I mean, it just wow. did horrible things to like you know, like obviously to the country and the whole thing. So yes, he was living oh in Barcelona, God, yeah. and he had been really well known. He was like he's an amazing guitar player, like blues guitar player. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, he's. Oh, that's cool. I got to look up his music. Yeah, now. there's some. Yeah, man. There's some YouTube's and stuff of him, and he had toured all over Europe in this blues band and opened for you know like BB <laughs> King and all these like really you know like he's. I mean, if you see his art, like you can tell like this is a guy who knows like the blues, and I mean he's just like. Oh, and absolutely. he's crazy. Like I went to his house once in Barcelona and his apartment and he's got this Fender Stratocaster that just looks like, I mean, it looks like Eric Clapton's. I mean, it just looks like it's like the most worn in thing you've ever seen. It's just like Keith Richards, like Clapton, like level of just like patina on it, you know? And sure, sure. Yeah, and so he was doing that and then doing comic book stuff on top of that. And, and, wow. but then of course, like he's obsessed with like, you know, American Westerns and, you know, the, the, the West and the blues and, and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, I don't know. I, to this day, I don't really know like how that, I mean, I don't know how the universe like kind of works weirdly like that, but it was like, how do you find a guy who can, you know, we say like, he can see like the dirt under like, you know, Carol's, you know, fingertips, like in those early issues, but she's still like sexy as hell, you know, like he still would go down like that dark road with her, even though you can see the, you know, her fingernails are all chewed up and, you know, like there's just something like it's not. Not gonna end well, but you don't care anyway, you know. Like, I'm just that's just to capture that, you know, it's just like incredible. And he, um, yeah, I don't know. So we, it was just another case where you know, Karen was all that stuff, and he did these samples, and we were like, you know, because we were always arguing with sales and marketing about, you know, they're like, oh, put, you know, they always wanted you to put somebody on it that's like well known because then they can sell it, which I totally get, but. Sure. at a certain point like the sales are what they are you know like i think i mean i think one of the problems vertigo's had over the years even more recently probably but like the retailers just have like a number you know that they that they order right i mean you know and, and i get it they're looking at a million different books a month and if you look at that absolutely you look at that previews catalog and it's like i wouldn't know where to start if i was standing there in the shop with x amount of dollars to allocate you know to this Agreed. sort of thing you know so yes you know i understand that it ended up uh, you know, I understand why, you know, it makes it easier shorthand for somebody to sort of say, oh, well, you know, we did X amount with this guy's art, so maybe we can order that, you know, but it didn't seem after a while that that was even what was happening with, with Vertigo books, you know, like it ended, it felt like after a while that they, they, they had certain numbers in mind and it almost didn't matter who we put on the books, you know, I mean, maybe short of, you know, putting, uh, you know, Neil Gaiman comes back, of course, yeah, or whatever, Gaiman or Grant Morrison uses yeah, the yeah, numbers, yeah. but even some of the stuff that Grant did, like some of those Joe, the barbarian and some of those books, like it wasn't like those books came in and suddenly it was like quadruple, like, you know, the next thing, you know what okay. I mean? So, okay. Um, yeah. So it, which is disheartening in a way because, you know, you're working so hard on these things. It's, it's not like you work any harder on the book that like, I didn't work any harder on why the last man, because it was a hit versus, you know, something that was a slower burn, you know, that didn't sell it. You know what I mean, you, you know, Certainly. You, you're, you're either you're professional and you're working as hard on it as you can or you're not, you know? And so, you know, there's, there was that, but so uh, on one level you felt like, well, this is, you know, you understand why they want you to have somebody who might move some books. On the other hand, it was like, it was kind of liberating in some ways. Cause you're like, look, you can't prove to me that this is going to sell any better or worse, whether I put this guy on it or don't put this guy on it, you know? So, you know, so unless Jim Lee wants to come down and draw this for me, 
Like, are we really going to see a huge bump in the sales? And if we're not, then why don't we just like put the guy on it that I can, you know, cut my right arm off to tell you is like, this is the guy, like this guy was born to draw this book, you know? So, you know, and you know, I mean, and they got that. I mean, there was, there was, I mean, I always felt a lot of support like at DC. Like, I don't, I mean, it's very easy to, to, you know, demonize like, you know, the company or you want to demonize, you know, Dan DiDio or this person or that person, you know, Paul Levitz or Bob Wayne or whoever it was that week was, had the target on their back, you know? Absolutely. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, I always felt like, look, they got a million things going on. They're juggling a million different things. They're answering to people that you don't have any idea what, you know, they have to answer to. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I rarely had the feeling of like, Oh, you just like cut my legs out from under me, you know? Um, good. Yeah. And I don't think most of the guys who work for me, you know, I think they would say the same. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, Brian Azarel, I mean, he, if he had a real problem with something or we were being told anything, I mean, he would just pick up the phone and call Paul Levitz or Karen or whoever directly, or if it was a sales thing, you know, he'd call Bob Wayne right up and Bob would talk to him, you know, and they'd either explain it to his satisfaction or, you know, whatever. But yeah, there was, I don't know. I mean, that's good. It's a, it's a massive company that has to, to answer to so many different things and so many different sensibilities and so much, you know, so, so many different masters. And I don't mean even, even that sounds bad. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the expectations of the fan and, you know, not just the expectation of the fan of Superman, but the Batman fan and the Swamp Thing fan and the Sandman fan, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of people that have an opinion about it. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I always felt like, you know, certainly there are things that you would complain like, Oh, I wish we could have done this or that the other thing, but, I mean, they, they let us, I mean, at sometimes in hindsight, it's like they let us get away with a lot of shit, you know, like, I feel like I, yes. I feel like I got away with a lot of cool stuff, <laughs> you know, despite, despite, you know, despite all that, you know, things that they could have easily said no, or easily said, well, if you don't get, you know, artist X on this, that can deliver, you know, this many copies every month and forget it, you know, like I never really had those conversations, you know, I know that fans always wanted to see <clears throat> From Vertigo, speaking of some of the DC Universe heroes and stuff, like, can we see an R-rated Batman mm-hmm, in Vertigo mm-hmm. or can we, you know, and stuff like that. And was that floated around in management or because, I, like I said, I know that was a fan hope. Yeah. And I don't know where it was in the offices in terms of absolutely not or um, should we think about this and let's kick it around and what, you know, what are the pros and cons of doing that? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, we we had pitched or I had pitched at some point like uh, – we were calling it like the Joker verse for like lack of a better term, because it was at okay. the time that we had done Joker, the hardcover with Leeper Mayo Lee and, and Brian, Brian you know, and, 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 and there was stuff in there. I mean, that wasn't, I don't know if we ended up rating that mature or not. Like I was arguing to make it, you know, rated for mature readers. And I think I, sure. I think I ended up losing the battle, but um, because I felt like there was stuff in there that I felt was as disturbing as anything that had been in a vertigo book, you know, um, mm-hmm. And I was just concerned from the standpoint of like, well, it's, there are people who have an expectation because it's Joker or whatever that, you know, that, it, you know, like my own kids who are like 11 and 13, you know, they've, they've read Batman. They've seen the stuff. It's like, they might want to go get it because it's Joker. Right. They don't know, you know, as a, as a fan or as a parent or whatever, what's in there. And I was like, there's stuff in here that's as disturbing as anything in a vertigo book, even if they're not saying like the F bomb and stuff, you know? So, but, um, yeah, so there was an idea at that point. And I had actually floated a whole bunch of different possible things um, to, 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 to do, essentially, like, I don't know what rating you'd say. It was 
you know, I wouldn't be NC 17, but you know, like, you know, mature reader kind of yeah. versions of all these stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was definitely support. There was support up to a certain point and then it, it got to be a little too, um, because by that point we were already sort of much more meshed in like Warner Brothers and like the Warner Brothers plans and things like that. You yes. Know? So, yes. you know, we didn't. They didn't want to do anything that was going to conflict with plans that were, you know, in development, like in terms of the movies and the other things. You know, and then even the Dark Knight movie with, you know, with the Joker in it. I mean, that was dark. I mean, there was a lot of Absolutely. really dark, heavy stuff in that. You know, and it. Yep. So it ended up being like. But, you know, at the same time, they're not really at liberty to tell, like, us what's in there. You know, like, they don't want us to know. And, and you know, nor should they, you know, be sort of. Sure. We weren't. They weren't sending us a Chris Nolan script and saying, like, hey, check this out and see if it conflicts with what you're doing. So I think, it, you know, it wasn't really like a huge conspiracy not to do it. I just think it felt like to, to you know, as like Diane, you know, and, and as it shifted out there more and more, you know, that it, it felt like there's a potential for for even inadvertent conflicts and things like that, that just maybe isn't like, you know, offset the, the amount of work that goes into these things, you know, cause you didn't want to get into us. Like we even had problems when we worked on the Batman, the broken city thing with Azrael and Riso. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. he ended up having to like sort of soften the end of that because it, it conflicted with some of the stuff that was happening in the first Batman movie, you know, the Batman Begins, oh, wow. you know, so yes, indeed. Absolutely. You know, and that was coming out at the same time. And that was like our big kind of return to form for the movies. And it was like, you know, they didn't want to do anything that might upset the apple cart, you know, and it, it ended up, I mean, Should've. if you really probably laid them out on side by side, you know, Chris Nolan would have probably said, I don't see the problem. And, and, you know, you know, but a lot of it, you know, it's the perception. It might be a problem. It's the potential. It might be a problem. And, and you know, you don't, you don't want to get 10 teams of, a-list talent like working on all these projects and then have to you know for for a variety of reasons that are well out of your control start having to go back to them and say you know hey guys uh you know we well we can do this but we can't do that and you know like it got it, it i mean at least in that respect it was like before we even went down that road like it was just kind of like it, it didn't really you know get that far you know so um sure. i don't know you know i mean i i think that they've done stuff similarly you know in certain ways and um I, I mean i think that kind of thing would be cool i think there's still probably room for that sort of thing i mean for sure but um but uh yeah i don't know i mean i was always trying to push for for some sort of verticalization of you know those kinds of characters you know but but i always felt like it should be in a in its own separate universe from the standpoint of like you know fans knowing what it was and retailers being able to sell it yeah and, parents yeah. and kids you know people you know like i didn't i, I didn't I, because as a i don't know as a fan like I, I was objecting in some ways to the vertigoization of regular comics you know what i mean like as all these comics kind of moved in that direction like i i don't i mean i'm not a prude obviously and i'm not like sheepish Absolutely about not. stuff but <laughs> i just felt like i felt like they were kind of i don't know I, i'm not a huge fan of this like darkening of all of the stuff you know i feel like you know even as i have kids you know i have like a two boys like 11 and 13 and it's like mm -hmm. I, I don't know you know even you know i mean i'd be curious to see this movie that's coming out this week just to sort of see you know like the whole thing but um i don't know i, I feel like there's a 
there's a lot more power in sort of the light side of the force in some ways than the dark side of the force. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know? I mean, that. I obviously got out, you know, I would have always been outvoted in that, in that argument. But, um, but at least if you did that kind of thing and it's clear, it's like when we did those crime books, it was like, you know, this is what it, it's its own thing, you know, like, and that yes. you know, makes it a little bit easier to take or hopefully, you know, easier to sort of sell, but rather than just dragging all the regular books in that direction, you know, but, um, but it's, you know, I don't know. It's, I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't, I mean, I didn't move out to Los Angeles and try to do it. So I, I mean, it's a little hard for me like to armchair quarterback it, you know, because I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the move. So I didn't, you know, whatever. I didn't really put my money where my mouth is in that respect, you know, so. No, I understand. I tried it. No, and I, clearly as, well, like you said, as DC Entertainment kind of really was more involved on the comics side, I can I can see the separation there mm-hmm. with the Vertigo, like the Losers movie and stuff like that. Was there, you know, once DC Entertainment kind of was formed? Because I know Constantine wasn't technically a, a, a or maybe it was a Warner Brothers movie. I know some things like Road to Perdition. Uh-huh, I know right, right. wasn't wasn't a Warner Brothers movie right. or what you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I know the losers was. I by the way, I like the losers. I did too. It was, I, I did it too. It was different from the comic a little bit. It was a little more fu- like more humor in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I really loved both. I thought I thought they did a good job. Thanks. Yeah, I thought so too. I really enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> we had like a company screening of it, and I remember people leaving and being like, "Oh, you know, kind of negative." And I was like, "I don't know." I said, "I, I said it's yeah, maybe a little less substance than." You know, we right. had tried to get with the comic, but I get why there, you know, why there was, yeah. wouldn't be all that in there. I mean, it's only like an hour and a half movie or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the cast was great. Like the look of it was great. Like, I mean, I don't know. What do you want from a, you know, well, I don't know yeah, what from, your expectations. From a, from a hundred minute, yeah, from a hundred minute movie. <laughs> no, and I, you know, yeah, and people would sort of be like, oh, you must be embarrassed. Like, you know, this movie didn't do very well. And I was like, hey, hey raise your hand here. Anybody that like took some non-existent. DC property and now it's like a movie for Warner Brothers because I'm the only one with my hand up you know and it's like I don't want to be a dick about it but at some point it's just like you know we took a forgotten you know completely overlooked title title that was nothing that happened within 30 years and now you have a movie that you know does okay and it's enjoyable and it probably does all right on DVD and everything else and I'm sure they you know make your money back on it and a lot of these young actors go on to all these big movies and stuff, you know, like yeah, Zoe Saldana, yeah, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans and all these people. So you're like, I don't know, you know. I said, I think you should feel pretty good about it, you know. So that's I hilarious. don't know, but um, yeah, so I don't, you know. I mean, I, I I totally get, you know, understand all that, but I think that there's um, yeah, maybe someday they'll they'll get all that together, you know. I hear you, man. Are you sick of talking? Because I don't want to keep you, but I, no, I, I do. No, wanna... no, sure, okay, good. Sure. All right, good. I'm glad you're – I hope you're enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. No, this is, this is great, man. No, I, and I think a lot of listeners and readers are going to appreciate, you know, hearing this point of view of, of Vertigo and how things work and stuff. And that's the thing, man. Like I said, I, I'm not here for dirt. I'm not here for, for you know, shitting on anything right. and this sucked and, he, and why right. and everything. But no, I think it. I think I do think it's interesting. And people appreciate it. One of your last things was the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now and um, I really and you know I just had Ollie on the show. Oh, cool. And I had Ming on in the in the fall. She was actually doing a, a sketch off, and I talked to her a little bit while they were while they were drawing. Oh, cool. And that was great. And really, Ollie's a hell of a writer. Yeah. And and Ming's a hell of an artist. So that was again a really I thought great crime story. Um, again, why hasn't that already yeah. happened? Yeah. In some form. Yeah. 
because it, it's so it's such an obvious kind of idea of like this is great. Yeah. No. So right. yeah. So how did that all come together? Yeah. Well, that's like you said. I mean, that was the the thing. I mean, I was at a show. I think I was doing that before Watchmen stuff, um, and I was at a okay. show in London. It was like Mark Millar had some show. I think it was like Kaboom or yes. something it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when yeah, – yeah, yeah. They had sent this over there. Like me and DiDio went and a couple of people and it was like right when before Watchmen was being kind of announced. And I think you know Dan loves like the good controversy. So it was like mostly it was just like – like let us go do a panel somewhere in England, like you know, while they drop this bomb in everybody's head about this before Watchmen thing, and right. um, yeah, so we did this huge panel that was like the biggest panel I've ever done for comics, and it was fine. And I think you know he was disappointed afterwards because it was like people were very even like you know the bleeding cool guy was like sitting in the front and started asking all these kind of process questions about oh are you going to use this you know the nine panel grid and you're going to you know like all these very like nicely framed like interesting questions and you know dan of course was like i think bummed out that someone didn't you know throw like garbage on us or something you know because it's oh, like he wanted i think he yeah wanted them. I mean, how he, dare he, you he, he loves that kind of like mixing it up that's fantastic I mean, that's you know that's like the showman showman side of him and you know he's great at that you know like i mean Yes, he, he makes those panels. I mean, I sat through lots of DC panels over the years. I mean, he makes those panels fun and lively, and you know, could not agree Controversial, more, and I mean, yep. you know, you, yeah, and you you leave the panel feeling like you know energized and excited, and you're pissed off, whatever. You get a reaction, which is like the thing for me. You that's know. his strongest strength. You're yeah. right. No, he builds community. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. That DC Nation yeah. was such a throwaway convention thing, and or maybe not. Maybe it was always part of the plan, but like. I mean, that's what – like when people try to do podcasts or whatever, it's like you got to build a community. Right. No, and right. I even said on the radio side now too and he was doing it. No, and I get that and that's hilarious. <laughs> want it. Yeah. Good. Yell at me. I want that. That's good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good impression. <laughs> the, um, yeah, and so then Ollie came up to me at the show with just you know sheepishly like, oh, hey, I have this idea and you know it's this. And it was one of those things like two seconds into the pitch, you're like, wait a second. What is it? And like – and then, yeah, then the gears start running in your head immediately. Like, okay, all the movies I've ever seen, all the books I've ever read, all the comics I've ever read. And like, wait a second. Like, I can't come up with one good excuse to say no to this, you know, which is always what you're sort of looking for at a certain point. You know, I mean, it's like I try to be open-minded, but, you know, it, it, like you get a lot of pitches and they're all like, oh, it's just like 100 bullets, but only better, you know, and that kind of stuff. And you're just like, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I mean, it's like give me a reason to say no because I've got 9,000 other ones here and – and, you know, I, I, there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many slots we have to fill. And, you know, so, yeah. And so that was one of those ones he gets to the end of it. And I'm like, how many people have you told this to, you know, and like, who else knows about this? And can we keep that number very low until I can go back to New York and like talk to somebody about this, you know? Um, yeah, because it just seemed like such a slam dunk, like in terms of just an idea, you know, um, yeah, I mean, my biggest complaint in hindsight about it is that, like, I, I should have just pushed to make it, like, a series, you know? Like, it, it should have just probably been, sure. like, a longer form thing, no shit. you know? Yeah, so, yeah. But it was, you know, it was unfortunately for them. I mean, it was great for me because it was, like, really, like, the last big project I got to do at DC. And it, it seemed to fit, you know, so much of, like, what I tried to do and, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the work I had done in terms of, you know, the subject and all the stuff, but also in terms of breaking new talent and, you know, opening up the doors for other people and, you know, and, and giving somebody like something that they could then take and be like, this is the thing, you know, whether it's like, 
you know, I mean, Jason's done a lot of amazing work over the years and he's done the great stuff, but it's like, you know, the first line of your obituary is still going to say like created scalp and Southern bastards. And so it's not, not going to say like yeah, wrote, you know, Loki number three or something, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that, right. but you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, so I it's do. Like if you find the person that, you know, you can give that thing and you know, someone like Ming had done some cool stuff and, you know, I know of her work and she's a really interesting, obviously like really together person. Um, but it was just like, you know, this is something that you could sort of like leave with them to, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, you know, it should open lots of doors for them. You know I mean? It, it should, you know, and they deserve it because the work is so good. You know, that's no the thing, no you know? Question. So yeah. And it was just one of those things and it took a little while to get it going, I think, because Karen was kind of already like, she was starting to, you know, they were starting to make all of these moves and we hadn't like done the, they hadn't fully announced, of course, like the LA move and everything yet. Like we didn't know about right. that yet. You know, we didn't, um, but you know, it was, you know, anybody who had a brain in their head could see, where it was going right i mean it was only a matter of time before that happened from like the day that that you know they all moved in there you know they all came in there like it wasn't you know it was pretty clear that whether it took a year or two or five like that was you know kind of where it was going so um you know and and if you're going to make that kind of move it, it makes sense to to sort of start to you know build new new teams or you know stuff and um yeah, so that kind of came in kind of towards the end of that, but and maybe so it took a little. I felt like it took a little longer than it should have to get it off the ground, but um, okay. but yeah, you know the stars like a line and Ming's available and this person's available and you know, um, I, I mean it was just a terrific project, you know, and um, it had all these. It just had everything I liked about it. And, you know, I, yeah, I just wish in hindsight that I could have like gotten it as a, as an ongoing series, you know, I mean, cause sure. I feel like there's a lot you could have done with all this, those characters and all those things, you know? Um, but I don't even remember, we didn't really have talks about that, which is probably just my own fault for not like pushing anybody to, to, to make it that, you know, sort of a thing. Well, I almost was wondering, and I don't know, and you know, maybe the philosophy has changed since you've left as well, but with, um, image and creator where creator owned comics are now mm -hmm. is it harder to do did did you feel that the offices at vertigo were kind of feeling like it is harder to do an ongoing or did they i mean i know that the trick is to always have an ongoing because the more trades you do mm -hmm. that's that's almost going to feed itself where the stores will right. continue to to buy the previous volumes and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but yeah, where you know where it you know it is harder, I would think, to get a cre uh, a creative team to come to Vertigo and do an ongoing versus you know doing their own thing at Image. Yeah, at least you know. No, it definitely it definitely got harder. It got it definitely got harder in the last year or two for sure. You know, in terms sure. of that, like because it was just like, well, why would I do it here if I can do it there? You know, I mean, and you you know and make more money from it, sure. Yeah, I mean, it got to that point, and again, it comes down to sort of some of it comes down to to you know you get this sort of shine, and the retailers are ordering what they're ordering. I mean, and there's books that you know there's books that if they were Vertigo books, like the numbers I think would be different. You know, I mean, and probably not as much. You know, and, and at least in the current environment, you know, certain books that you see launch over at Image at a certain number. And it's like, it's always curious, like, well, what would those numbers be if it was a Vertigo book, you know, and, 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 or vice versa, you know, like if they'd done the kitchen there, I don't know. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been, I don't think a book like that. I don't think an image, I mean, is image for as many, 
image is still as top heavy as everybody else's, I think, you know, in terms of like, Agreed. you know, there's still this handful of guys or people, creators who are getting the lion's share of the sales, getting the lion's share of the money, the attention, et cetera. And then, you know, there's a lot of good mid-level books, but there's a lot of other low-level books that, you know, I mean, the numbers are are much worse than they probably would be at a Vertigo because at least at a Vertigo, you would get that. There's a floor, right? I mean, there's like a certain floor level and there's a certain level of support and a certain expectation of, well, it'll get collected and it will get promoted and it will get all these things, not totally regardless of the sales, but, you know, that's all sort of part of the the argument to come over there is that, you know, we're not just going to abandon you. Like if the, you know, but, but yeah, it gets harder to, to, to pitch an ongoing. I mean, the trick was to try to figure out like, can you pitch an ongoing that essentially feels like, you know, seasons or something, you know, where you could wrap it up if you have to wrap it up or if the numbers yes. aren't there, yes. you know? Um, and I don't, we should have done that with the kitchen in hindsight. And I don't know why the hell I didn't other than like, I think, you know, it was like, it fell in this weird sort of timing of like, you know, Karen was leaving and, and I didn't know I was leaving at that moment, but I knew that if it came down to it, like, if, you know, if what happened happened, like I knew I was going to not move like regardless, you know, so it was like, you know, so I, I didn't really want to be in a position where I was bringing on tons of new stuff that would, you know, have to go on and on and on without me, you know, um, Understood. Sure. And, and I don't think they did either after a certain point, like, why would that, you know, like you don't necessarily, you know, like if you're going to start like dating other people, like you don't still want to be like dating your <laughs> old, you know. You don't yeah, need man. your ex-husband around, like, you know, wondering, like, why you stayed out all night. You know, I mean, it's just like, I hear you. so, you know, I mean, and, but, but, you know, but you're talking about, you know, like books that take a long time to get done and creators lives and careers. So it's like, you know, I don't want to be putting people in like approving a book, like two weeks before I walked out the door and, you know, or having something like that. But, um, yeah, that seemed like one that probably could have gone longer, but maybe, you know, but. But I don't know, you know, they, 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 it's tricky to know. It is always the argument was like, well, should this be a mini series? Should this be, you know, an ongoing? Is it, you know, because we know people are waiting for the trades, but, you know, it's tough. It's like just to time it out from like the series is coming and then the trade comes out, but you're already into the next story arc. But what if the trade doesn't sell? Then you got to cancel it. You know, like it, you know, that was always a really tricky kind of shell game of like, you know, when, when do we, when do we let people know it's going to keep going or, you know, if the numbers for the trade come in and they're terrible, but we're in the middle of the third issue of the second arc, like, what do we do now? And do we finish it? Do we not finish it? You know, I mean, I was always advocating like cutting things off quickly and letting people do other things, you know, but, um, sometimes, you know, they want you to wrap it up and get a complete story. And, you know, I don't know. That's always, that was always like the worst phone call to make obviously is to, you know, you got canceled sort of phone call. Um, yeah. And can you wrap it up? Yeah. yeah you can know. you wrap it up? I mean, my, I, I always wanted to try to wrap it up sooner than later just because it's like, you know, I want them to be able to free it up to go do other stuff and, and, and presumably get other stuff going before this gets canceled because you don't want that, you know, that just makes it harder, right. You know, for the person. Sure. So it's like, if you can Certainly. get the next thing going before this is announced that this is being canceled, then it looks a lot less like it looks like you've made this move you know, career wise, you know, yes. planned wise, whatever it is, as opposed to mm -hmm. like, you know, that, like, I just never want anybody to be in the position where, you know, oh, we're canceling it. And, you know, so like, let's try to get something else. But I, you know, I always felt like, you know, good editors and good, you know, like you should be asking for that next thing, like pretty soon into the, 
the thing you're working on, right? You know, in terms of like okay. what yes. what the next thing is going to be, because it's you know there's a good model for how to build your career, and whether it's you know Brian Vaughn or Brian Azzarello or you know Jason. Becky Cloonan or Jason Aaron or whoever it is, you know there's 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 a lot of people that you can kind of model your career on. And, and, and a big part of it is that, you know, have that next thing, you know, pretty soon, like in the relationship you're building with somebody, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's hard. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, in terms of image, like what, you know, how it works with, um, I don't know if it's harder. I mean, I think some creators like the idea that like they can just do whatever they want and they don't have a lot of this sort of oversight or they don't have a lot of interference and, but then a lot of them, don't, I mean, a lot of the people, you know, like that, you know, like a lot of people, people who've been around a while, I think particularly like they like that sort of, they understand like if you're working with somebody good or editor that's good, you know, that, that you're there to support them and to help them and sometimes get them out of bed or, you know, get them off the ledge or whatever it is. You know? Yes. <laughs> and sometimes being out there, I mean, I know after being home here for a year for myself, like working on some projects and getting some stuff going you know, I have a newfound understanding of like what that freelance mentality is. And it's tough. I mean, there's definitely dark days and there's definitely days when you can really like get into your own head and be like, no one cares. No one knows I'm alive. Nobody knows, you know, I'm still around, you know, which is not true. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it has been very interesting in terms of like who still, you know, the people who do still call you, the people who do still keep in touch, the people who do, and then a lot of the people who don't, you know, and it's sort of like, all right, you know, I mean, that's like kind of enlightening in some ways, you know, and I get, Interesting. I get the people okay. are busy and they, you know, they have stuff sure. and, you know, I, I totally get it. And, you know, everyone is so busy in today's world and it's hard to meet up and it's hard to keep track, but you know, there is definitely the, some of those people that you're just like, all right, all right, I, I can see where this is, uh, you know, as soon as. Oh, you dropped out. You said that you could see where this is like. Uh, you dropped out for a second, and you said I could see where this is like, and then you dropped out. Yeah, but I can see. I can, you know, I just mean it like I can see where, you know, now I can see kind of the real you or what, you know, like it, the people oh, the that real, were, the real relationship. Yeah, the people that were, you know, ringing your phone off the hook or tracking you down at shows, and you know, always wanting this or that or a little of your time, and then suddenly it's like hmm, I haven't heard from you in a year, you know, but. But it's kind of, you know, but it's, it's, that's very few people. I mean, comics in general is not like that, thankfully, but, um, well, I'm, and I'm interested in what you're doing now. And I, and, and also we will wrap up because I know we're, you're getting close to where you got to get going mm-hmm. too. Um, but yeah, tell people, and also, by the way, I'm not one of those people looking for a job, but I will want, I do want to call you back because there's a ton of shit we haven't even covered. No, I like, feel like Brian Wood and, and Clunan and, and some of these other creators that you've worked with that I would love to hear about. But no, I, I, I know for a fact, like I said, a lot of the people that do look at the mast and see who the editors are, who the writers and artists are, you know, you're one of those guys, Will. So like, yeah, tell people what you're doing now. And what and it, as much as you can in terms of some projects you're working on, I know you're teaching as well. Right. So, but do you, yeah, tell um, us what you're doing. When when do you think you're going to put this out? In terms of, I, you know, it's your discretion. Honestly, I I have I'm going to put out Ethan Van Skyver today. I've got I've got a Bendis, and I've got even another episode. Uh-huh. So I could I could do it in a couple weeks. Okay. Or you know, as soon you know, mentioning even the Batman Superman stuff. If you wanted it, you know, sooner than later, it's really your discretion. Right, right. Um, yeah, well, because one of the things is this image project, um, which I'm, you know, editing. But they're they're going to announce it at the 
at the expo. expo but I think okay, when, I'll wait. I'll wait till post expo. Yeah, I think that's only like in a week or something, right? Or two. I mean, oh, it's the great. Emerald City yeah. Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Bro. So that's uh, yeah. that's Azrael and Riso are back together again. Um, <laughs> and Riso though is doing his own covers and he's doing the colors himself too, which look amazing. Um, that's fantastic. Oh my god, I've got some of his prints that he was. Uh, uh, selling at uh, Wizard uh-huh. Chicago uh-huh. a few years ago when they were doing that Flashpoint with Dave Johnson yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, no, Eduardo's. Yeah, I, so I can imagine his covers are going to be fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, and the colors too are incredible. He's got like an assistant working with him, um, but uh, yeah, the colors are great. You know, so um, yeah, it's, it's called Moonshine, and it's um, okay. it, it's it's <laughs> definitely one where it's another kind of. To me, when I heard it, it was like it was definitely that sort of like, oh wait, no one's done this before. So basically, it's it's like a gangster story set like in during Prohibition, and sure. it, it's it's going to be a longer form thing. Although the initial storyline feels like you know pretty self contained, which I think these guys are good at. But it's like okay. uh, there's a guy sent from New York. He's like a torpedo, you know, like a just sort of a mid level gangster guy set by the boss yep. to talk to these sort of hillbilly moonshiners about you know they have like the best hooch like in wherever west virginia and they want to <laughs> okay. like you know distribute it larger but they send this guy there and of course he thinks that like they're all just hillbillies and whatever and um and so it gets to be a little bit there's there's definitely a little of that sort of um what's the bruce willis like last man standing like it's you yes. know sort of that like yes. your jimbo sort of you know thing yes where there's like the you know the torpedo guys and that stuff but the but the wrinkle underneath it all and i, I think that brian is basically going to be talking about this it's not the thing is that the this the moonshine part is that they're werewolves like the hillbillies oh that's fantastic yeah so <laughs> there's a whole supernatural creepy like you know horror element to it like the very first scene in the book is these g-men get sent down there to look for this guy his name's Hiram Holt. He's like the head of, you know, it's like his mountain in Virginia, West it's Virginia. Plant. Yeah, yeah and they go down there to like, you know, they find his still and his whole operation. This is the first like four pages. And then this thing appears out of the, you know, moonlight and like rips them to pieces, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then this guy is set down there and then, you know, there's like, but there's elements of, you know, uh, lots of you know, like just a little like angel heart there's like that kind of that lawless movie just in terms of the slick kind of 20s you know gangster guy which you know of course riso can draw like circles around you know i mean the, everyone looks so yeah, cool yeah. and um yeah but then it ends up that actually like there's the initial like arc that's all very self-contained in here but then it, it you know brian's talking about it going all these different locales and different things and oh cool yeah so yeah and they they i mean it's just i mean these guys you know working <laughs> with these guys is just like i mean it's crazy how easy it is like once he sends the thing in and eduardo starts sending the pages in and you're just like oh my god this is exactly like what you know what when we were talking about it we were talking about last summer at this show in boston or something we started talking about it and they had been talking about it before that but you know i was just like you know it ends up looking exactly the way, you know, they, they describe it, you know, but it'll be cool to see like a more of a horror, you know, kind of angle yeah. to it, you know, that. No, that's funny. That no, that's why I'm laughing, man. That's great. Yeah. Good gimmick, man. So that's cool. And then we're working on something, um, which I don't know when we're going to announce it, but it's like a purely like digital comic thing that we're, I'm trying to figure out like the best place for it and, and what that's it is. Form, but, sure. um, they haven't, um, Hey, I don't know how much we we have to figure out what to, but it's 
trying to do something that's like a like a Wednesday comics kind of thing, but like in a digital, Fantastic. you know, format. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, and you know, with a couple of like really well-known creators and, um, and then I got this book, this jock book, the, the art of jock, um, right. Which I, you know, I think I'm technically credited as like the author of, but I don't, you know, it seems like kind of weird for me, but, um, you know, I've never really had that credit before, but, um, yeah, so that's coming together. We're, we're trying to get that all put together right at the moment. Cause it comes out in September, I think, but that's a big, you know, hardcover, Thing, almost coffee almost almost 200 pages like you know real coffee table like gate folds and all kinds of cool stuff in it Excellent. like really Very beautiful cool. package and then we're doing it with mondo which is you know like i said that company in austin that does like the posters and the toys and records and oh, stuff yeah. and yeah um so i think you know there'll be an edition that's like the the inside editions sort of more mass version which is still beautiful like these big coffee table books but then trying to figure out some like a mondo like special version of it you know like whether whatever you know they're famous for like they're very like you know low print run exclusive kind of things you. you know so so hopefully yeah maybe great. by like MondoCon, they've done this convention like two years in a row like in october down in austin um, oh wow yeah which has been great i've been to both of them they're terrific like they're small you know like they're they're small that like, compared to comic book shows but um it's all like the artists who do the prints and then the fans of that and they have exclusive stuff just there like you know, all these amazing like records and toys and and you know all the the posters and stuff. Sure. Yeah. So we'll probably have an edition that's you know Mondo esque in terms of just really you know all the bells and whistles kind of artifact you know thing. Um, Very cool. What are you te- what are you teaching at NYU? Yeah, so I'm teaching this class on writing graphic novels, but you know I've been sort of structuring a little more like just graphic fiction or something. But it's in the um, it's in the Tisch School, which is like the dramatic writing school. Um, yes. So it's yes. all like film majors, a couple theater majors, um, mostly film and television, you know, and and older like seniors and graduate students. And um, I've done it before in the summertime, but those are usually pretty quick little hits, you know, like four weeks or something. But this is a, a whole semester. Um, cool. yeah, so it's been good. I mean, cause I really, you know, talked to NYU just about, you know, comics is still pretty low hanging fruit, right. In terms of, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get into creative business, like, Oh, I want to write movies. It's like, Oh, good luck. You know, like, uh, go ahead, you know, like move to LA and try to do that. You know? So right. comics, I mean, you know, not, it's not easy to get into comics, but it's a lot easier. And I think most people Great. find the, the world a lot more pleasant, you know, although you know, the money isn't the same, <laughs> but, um, true. And as you see the, you know, the way the culture has moved in general, you know, it, it used to be sort of a little bit of a, you know, I was like kind of in the closet about like being, you know, a comic sure. fan or working Absolutely. in comics or anything. Yeah. But yeah, now it's like it opens a lot of doors. So, yeah, so it's 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 been cool. I mean, it's a really interesting group of, you know, young people. And they're like, I mean, they're amazingly like motivated and smart. I mean, so much more than I was at the same age. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but um <laughs> It's kind of shocking. I mean, you can see how these are the kids who really like go and do stuff, you know, Absolutely, where I just man. like jerked around for 15 years or something. It felt like after I got out of college, but yeah, yeah, they, um, yeah, so that's cool. I mean, and that's definitely been good. And then trying to think about how to do similar stuff, you know, maybe trying to figure out how to do some of that, um, you know, in either in other schools or, or I feel like I really feel compelled at this point to, do something like whether it's through shows or at my own, you know, do a show, not a show, but do like a teaching workshop thing. Um, I feel like, and you know, I'm all the guys I come up with like Jock and Baz and Jason and all the rest. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, like how do you 
pay back some of this stuff, right? I mean, in terms of, you know, how kind of lucky we all feel all the time. I mean, there's never a moment when we're all together when somebody isn't like, holy shit, like, how the hell did we get here? You know, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is insane, you know? Like, it. I mean, the famous... I mean, I've told this story before, but Brian and I were at, in, at a show in Granada, Spain, which where the Alhambra Palace is, which is this amazing Moorish palace, you know, like one of the wow. eighth wonders of the world kind of thing. And we're there uh-huh. and they set up for the show like a tour of the thing with like a guy who's like, I don't know, he's like runs the play, you know, like some sure. thing. And we're sitting in this cafe like it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, like drinking beers or something like, across the street from it. And it's like this beautiful, you're up on this hill and it's you're in Granada, Spain, and there's like, you know, the birds and the sun, and you're just like, you're sitting at this cafe table, like drinking this beer and like chatting, and this guy's waiting to come out to take you on this tour of this place, you know, parts of it that other people don't get to see, and, you know, I mean, it, this place is amazing. I mean, it's, all it is is like mosaic, you know, Moorish tiles and paint. I mean, you can't believe like the, the stuff that's in there, and you're just like, I mean, there was definitely this moment, this like sort of like clarity of like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> Like, why are this guy's going to take his time to come talk to us? Because I, you know, you write comic books and I do something with the comic books, you know, like, I mean, it was just, it's like just this funny moment of just like, you know, one, it's like kind of an F you to all the people like, you know, like I think of all the comics and the books and the stuff that like, you know, everywhere that's not going to mount anything. And why do you waste your time on this crap? You know, there is that like that level of pleasure from that. But then there's also just a level of like, not everybody gets to do this, you know, like not everybody gets this lucky. Not everybody, you know, has these experiences. So like, I don't know, that's been like weighing on me a lot lately, just in the last year or two, just about like, how do you figure out ways to, to help other people, you know, maybe have those kind of experiences or maybe, I mean, I always felt like I did a good job of lifting other people up, you know, in terms of like, you know, like I said, you know, pass it off to somebody else or recommend that person to someone else or, you know, get someone new on a book with somebody established and that person then gets the shine on them. You know, I mean, there's, you can trace lines through all of the people that we work with or I've worked with over the years. I think, you know, this person led to this person led to this person, you know, like there's that lattice of connection and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So I'm trying to figure out like what that form, you know, what that takes. And I don't mean just, it's, you know, it's more than just doing like a panel at a show or something. Like I feel like there's a, there's a way to, there's a way to do stuff that's like, you know, outreach to different, you know, people or people who are trying to, to get into the industry or different, you know, yeah. and I don't know, it's all a little nebulous and probably sounds a little like, you know, I don't know what, a little too pie eyed or something, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that, it, but all the people I've worked with over the years, like we all sort of feel the same way, you know, when I bring it up to people, like they're all like, yeah, you're totally right about that, you know? And so it's like, maybe it's something that shows it's, kind of modular and we could replicate it at different shows, you know, whether it's workshops or, you know, outreach to schools or whatever. And like, I've done a lot of that sure. and stuff and, um, just by happenstance. And when you go to shows in Europe or South America, there's usually is that some component of that is like, you're out in the, in the community doing stuff where they take you to an art school or they take you to a, you know, sort of a more civic aspect to it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, you know, I'm trying to, so spending some time trying to figure out, what what that is and what that might look like you know yeah but that's great man no and that is cool that you guys are willing to like you know like share the share the knowledge and and really help educate because that's you know diana's diana shut's doing a more academic thing and and more of a 
I guess crit- like comic not critique but mm-hmm. but just kind of showing the I think the li- the literary value mm-hmm. of comics and what she's teaching. Right. And I know uh, Bendis and Dave Walker are in Portland doing writing courses and stuff like that. So no, I think this is terrific, and I really love that the comic book people. It's always been there. I know there's been things like uh, is it uh, the school of uh, visual arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SVA, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing. And, you, you know, you get you get your vets that have been doing that. It's certainly Kubert School and, right. and others that are direct comic book schools. But, no, I think, you know, no, you guys have something to contribute. And I think that's excellent that you want to share your knowledge with the next generation yeah. because the product keeps getting better and it keeps evolving. Oh, yeah, it definitely does, you know. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, there are a lot of people who have been doing really cool stuff. And, like, I know that, you know, there's, like, lots of more good books about things now that I'm kind of doing it. But, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what what that you know might amount to. Um, I think that's great. Also, so you know, and then picking up some other freelance things here and there. Um, but I've been trying to be kind of choosy about it because I, I just didn't really know like what what how much time these things take, what what my time right, looks what like, what form it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? Yeah, and all the mechanics behind it certainly. Yeah, and that's been a total like learning experience for me to have to be doing all this stuff and dealing. You know, when you deal with the image or other things, and you know, you're really left to your own devices to kind of make it all happen and. Um, yeah, it's like you think you know a lot of stuff until you, you know, you don't have all this great. I mean, DC, we always had, we did have like amazing support, you know, in terms of the, certainly, you know, the salespeople, the marketing people, the production people, you know, the proofreaders. I mean, all these people that, you know, I don't think we ever took them for granted. I mean, we, I think we we're always a pretty, you know, it was a real community of people, but it was definitely like once they're not around, you're like, oh my God, like I have to figure out how to, like, I don't Right, really, who's going to do this? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and sort of, you know, you get very siloed in, like, what your expertise is, you know, and then it sort of feels like, huh, like, I guess I thought I knew what format the files should be in, but I guess I didn't know exactly, you know. So there's a lot of that, like, you're back to square one, like, trying to figure out, you know, just even real nuts and bolts kind of stuff, you know. But Crazy. But it's cool, yeah. you know. I mean, it keeps you on your toes a little bit, for sure. But there's definitely, I've had a lot of moments in the last year where I, wasn't like the smartest person in the room, you know, which I mean, maybe I never was, but you know, you feel like, you know, you go to meetings and you're like, well, I'm the person here who's representing the editorial or I'm doing, you know, and it's like, you're there as a certain expert on something or whatever. I'm on this panel or, you know, but it's funny to, it's definitely humbling to be back into a situation where you're a little (laughs) bit more, you know, a little bit more trying to like fly by the seat of your pants, you know? Yeah. But that's, how do we do this? Yeah. Good, <laughs> I never had know? to think about this before. How does no, that work? Exactly. But that's, I that, that's that. good. I think, you know, I think everybody hey, goes from, through those periods where, you, you know, you just, you, you, it's easy to get a big head and it's easy to feel like it's not, you know, whatever you're doing, no, you're like the top dog. And so I think it's good to find some ways to, you know, not suddenly be that guy anymore. And, you know. I understand. No, you know, and honestly, coming from radio, I I feel the same way with podcasting and the same kind of support staff in radio that isn't there and that I have to do everything. And that's why, honestly, I half the reason why I enjoy doing this with you guys as this creator owned stuff evolves. It's like I kind of feel like we are facing the same problems. They're different, obviously, because of the forms of what we're creating. But yeah, it right. is. It's learning, learning a lot of this yeah. stuff. So no, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll wrap up and say, dude, you're, you're. I would love to, to have you come back. I hope you will. Yeah, and we'll to. talk more about this stuff as it, as it's uh, happening. If you want to come back to talk about the Jock Book or, okay, um, you know, or or Moonshiners or, or any of this stuff. Okay. Yeah, I really, I no, it's been a pleasure. And um, and also, I want to let you get going because I know you get, a, you, know, you you got dad duty. Yeah, I know that's a big part of my day. I have newfound respect for 
stay-at-home moms and dads, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, no, I'd love to. I mean, yeah, there's definitely – I mean, there's so many people that I was, like, blessed to work with over the years that, you know, you have good good stories on or good, you know, insight to or whatever. So – Past, present, and future. Seriously, man. No, there's there's a lot more to talk about as far as your your vertigo days, but I really am interested in what you're doing now, and what and really on on both sides, both both as an editor and as a teacher too. Mm-hmm. So uh, no, please come back, and I'll I'll wrap up and say thank you for uh, good taste making. Uh, ch- uh, well, I guess just good taste and being <laughs> one of those guys that are like you know kind of greenlighting. A lot of great books in the last uh, sixteen years or so. So uh, really, I really appreciate thank it, man. You. And uh, I appreciate that. No, and, and more success and looking forward to what's coming next for Will Dennis. So thanks for sharing time with us, Dennis. You got it, John. Thanks, man. Nice chance to get the point of view of Will Dennis, the Vertigo editor here on Word Balloon. I look forward to our future conversations, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. It was all brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Tremendous deals are happening now on uh, great books like Daredevil by Frank Miller. The Omnibus is uh, 50% off. And now $50 uh, for this giant uh, hardcover book. You can get the Invincible Iron Man hardcover, Volume 1, Reboot, Brian Bendis and uh, David Marquez. Of course, they're uh, putting their efforts now into Civil War Two. But you can get this collaboration at 50% off, $12.49. You can get the Secret Wars hardcover, uh, Isad Ribic and Jonathan Hickman and a whole lot more. Uh, 50% off, just $27.50. Black Lightning, going back for uh, Tony Isabella and Trevor Von Eden, that excellent series. The uh, trade is uh, 50% off and just $9.99. And it has everything, including a uh, canceled comics cavalcade story of uh, Black Lightning. So how about that? It literally has the entire series right there for you. Uh, Those are some of the great deals happening at InStockTrades.com. Check out more. If you go to their website, you will find the artists and writers that you love at prices you won't believe InStockTrades.com. John Snutcher saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. It's been a wild April. It was a wild March. Uh, I think there are more great interviews to come before uh, we say goodbye to April. And uh, so just stick around for a few days and you'll see another great episode. I hope you enjoyed what you've heard so far this month. But uh, more action coming up in a great conversation here at WordBalloon.com. If you like the show, do me a favor. If you get it through iTunes, would you go over there and write me a review and rate the show? Um, I want to get back over at least 100. And uh, the more the merrier. I'm at, I think, about 89 or 90 right now as far as reviews. I uh, would really appreciate it. They knocked down a, uh, the old feed that I had, which had a bunch of my reviews and, uh, and ratings as well. So it would be nice to kind of you know tick back up into a new and noteworthy with your help. So if you could, that would be terrific. And if even if you don't like the show and want to write a bad review, that's okay, too. So uh, hope, uh, hope you enjoy the show, though, and I uh, hope you'll be back for the next episode and more episodes to come. Don't forget, we got a big archive at Warbaloon.com of tons of, art, of old interviews, great conversation, talking about comics with the people that make them great. Until next time, Warbaloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.